0: the 22nd. It's opening day at Del Mar, and we've got a fun, action-packed episode of That's What G Said Podcast for you. We're going to get into some Friday and Saturday racing. So we'll hit Friday, Saratoga. Friday, Del Mar. Then we'll jump into Saturday. We'll talk Monmouth with Samantha Perry, who does the on-track broadcast over at Monmouth Park. So we'll dive into the Monmouth Park stakes for Saturday. It's Haskell Day. Then Saturday, Saratoga. Saturday, Del Mar. Saturday, Louisiana Downs. Then we shift the focus to NFL. We continue our team-by-team previews. We hit the AFC South with Eric. So we talk Colts, we talk Titans, we talk Jags, we talk Texans. Finish up this episode wrestling with Chad Cooper. We dive into SummerSlam just a, a week or so out. What does the card look like? Then we transition over to NXT and then finishing up with AEW. On this episode of That's What G Said that is presented by Vegas at BTVBets. Give them a follow right now on Twitter and flip those notifications on for at BTVBets. They just want to help you become a better, better. Everything's free at BTV. It is a website that has handicappers from all around the world providing information. It's all free and previews of major sporting events. I host a lot of the content over there at BetterThan.Vegas Let's jump right into the horse racing portion of this episode We'll talk some Friday and some Saturday racing. Kick back and enjoy Racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse. And you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and Any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop Every card includes live data Updated instantly with those scratches And so you get the accessibility From desktop to phone Cross device functionality You can take your notes and save them From one device to the next And then access your account on any of Your devices On the go handicapping and wagering
1: fantasy comes true
0: but no 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 stable Duel. download the stable duel app and play today every friday 10 a.m eastern time 7 a.m pacific time this weekend in stable duel it's a free preview show and it's on twitter it's on facebook it's on youtube all you have to do is follow stable duel on twitter follow me on twitter it's me gino b it's myself Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears, The Sniper. We give out our best bets for Friday and for Saturday. And we get you all prepared for stable dual games all weekend long. We tell you where the games are and how you can get involved. Like Friday, Laurel Park, Ellis, Gulfstream all have options. But Del Mar with the free ride. There's also a $30 game and and then they have a $100 winner-take-all game. On Saturday, Monmouth Park has a free ride. Monmouth also has a $25 game. Golfstream has a $10 game. And Del Mar with a $30 game. On Sunday, you've got Monmouth, Golfstream, Ellis, and Del Mar. All with money games. Get those entries in and play race win. And come on over Friday morning and hang out. This weekend in Stable Duel. Myself and the Sniper and Matt DeSantis. Let's take a look at Friday for Saratoga. Let's get a a couple plays out there. Now, I'm going to give out a little less for Friday because I'm a bit worried about the weather. But we will take a look at Friday, and let's flip to race number two. They'll go a mile on the inner turf. I like the two clubbing in there. He debuted, was fourth on June the 3rd at Belmont on a muddy track. And he had a slowish start. He was about six lengths off or so. He was in the sixth, seventh position. He was in the mud. took a while to get going. Didn't finish all that poorly. He's had five workouts since that last race. He came right back 10 days after and worked again. And he should step forward on the grass. He's a homebred for Janney and Fit Stables. The dam of this horse won the debut going long on the turf, was three for seven, multiple stakes placed. She's a half um, clubbing. This guy is a half to a horse named Passing Out, who was three for 10 and who was multiple stakes placed and also won his debut. A lot of precocity in this family. First time on the turf for clubbing. The Deuce in race number two at Saratoga on Friday. Continuing along through Friday's races, there wasn't anything all that crazy as far as the prices in the middle part of the the card in the fifth race. I did think that the one Chess's dream was going to be pretty tough in there. Off the good third place finish was inside, was in tight, made an early move up to just behind the leader, was traveling well, had to tap on the brakes, waited, got through, and was one of the, you know, was was a fine third that day, just missed second, and had to wait inside while the winner got a clear trip on the outside, just a bit unlucky. That's in race number five. Moving along to, uh, a little later in the card, race number eight, five and a half furlongs, it's a non-winners of two turf sprint for New York breeds Phillies and mares, not the six and seven were a coupled to, to use in your exotic sassy Melissa's the horse to beat, but by by hubby hello money blinkers off, this could be a prep for her, but she may get a great trip here. She's gonna get some speed to run at. There's a lot of pace in this race. Making my move, get the candy. Coco Pelly's more of an off the pace, but the two inside horses are quick. Big Q. Palace, Gossip, they're all going to go. Then towards the outside, Quality Stones, Jill's a hot mess, maybe a little more pressing. There's five or six horses that are going to be on the lead in here, and it could set up well for both the six and the seven. Buy Hubby Hello Money, who's a nice price at 10 to 1. I'll include in some exotics there. The Lake George, I really do like Eminent Victor quite a bit in that spot, so not necessarily uh, anything great on the price end there. But that's Friday for Saratoga. Let's move from Friday, Saratoga. Let's head on over and talk some Friday opening day over at Del Mar. Where the turf meets the surf. Down in old Del Mar. Get those past performances out for Friday, July the 22nd. Race number one. I like the eight Breakfast ride. His last start was going six and a half on the turf. And he had a good start. He was with the leading group, but he was in a crowd. He had to back out of a tight spot. He was behind. He was buried all the way around. He never got a shot to run. It was sneaky good. On May the 20th, he won going wire to wire on the on the dirt at Santa Anita, made 40. That was the race that made him eligible for this spot. His first two starts, he ran into Corniche, Barosa, uh, next out winning Durante in there. I think he's got some ability. Put a line through the turf tries. He looks even better. Give him the race off the bench on April the 16th. He had a fast start to the outside, and he couldn't get to the lead. He made a, you know, he's four wide, and the the winner that day was the horse who was on the inside. The Eight Breakfast Ride, six to one on the morning line. Race number two, I'll be spreading out a little bit. One of the horses that I am gonna uh, going to include in here, in some of the exotics, is the number nine, who's a, a bit of a big price. I think twenty to one or so on the morning line. Uh, I'm talking about. Finally here, who could sit a really nice trip just behind the leaders. Second start off the bench. He's a multiple winner. He's proven on the turf. And five should hit him right between the eyes. I think I could see him sitting maybe third or fourth. There's a lot of speed in here. Can he work out the trip just behind some of the leaders? Finally here. But probably spreading out along with the nine. uh, The two, four, seven, and 11 will probably be in the mix. If anyone can steal this race, it's fast buck. 9, 4, 7, 2, 11 in race number 2. Race number 3. Looking at the number 3 in here. Big Flame. The blinkers come off. He likes it at Del Mar. His last two dirt races were April the 17th when he took a couple bad steps right after the start. He was last. He was about 10 off. And then he moved inside, then outside, and he really started to pass horses nicely to finish fifth. Kind of a sneaky good fifth that day. On... April the 21st last year at Santa Anita, he was in a stakes race off of a long layoff. His other two dirt races are pretty good. I'm giving him a shot in here. Big Flame, the number three, I will include along with the five Big Scott Daddy in Exotics. Let's move. Race number four, nothing really crazy. Secret Touch, uh, elusive, exclusive speaker will probably be in the mix for me. Nothing really to write home about. In that in that one in race number five, a cheddar cash, Damn one and six sibs they were all winners. Uncontrollable is going to be tough. Danzig cat's going to be tough. Nothing really too crazy or too outside the box there. In the sixth race, the two macadamia might be a single for me in maybe the late pick five. Macadamia had a good start, then backed up to fourth. Was about five off and was traveling well inside. Was tried to shift off the rail and and just got crushed. And in between horses, lost momentum, tried to come on again, and just didn't really want to go inside. This is a multiple group one winner who's going to go second start off the eight-month break. Macadamia in all exotics for me, it would be a 2 4 seven if I was using unders. Moving along to race number seven, a maiden special weight. I went to the 10 to the outside. I thought keychain girl... For a barn who's very good off a plus 180 day layoff. She has some ability. She's had some kind of in-between trips that weren't as, weren't very easy. She took a lot of money. And she's getting LASIKs now for the first time. The 11, Bell Cherie, could also be used in the mix. The 4-horse and a Kappa is a half to a fee Sunrise. And a barn is way better second time out. And naturally she showed some pretty good early speed in the debut. Both the 1 and the 2 make sense. The one above Suspicion has some ability. First timer for Mandela and Infinite Empire was second in a very productive race first time out. It's a tough seventh race. 10, 11, 4, 1, and 2. In the Oceanside, McKinnon is the horse to beat, but I will use the 10 along with the one Nero Tulip. He got bumped at the start in uh, his most recent race. He settled inside. He was traveling pretty well. He had nowhere to go. He's about three lengths off. He tried to find some room in between horses. He just never really could. Nero Tulip. Going to give another shot in here. I think he uh, fits very well in a wide-open race. He's 12-1 to on the morning line. I'll include 110 in all exotics, with 3, 6, and 8 in some under spots. In the ninth race, I like the 4 quite a bit in here. Tooth. The blinkers come on. On June the 17th, he was traveling well on the inside. Just behind the leaders, he tried to angle out, and it was almost a really bad incident where things got really crowded. He is a really good fit in here, cutting back from a mile now to six and a half. He tried a mile last time out, and he's had legitimate trouble in back-to-back races. The blinks come on, houndstooth, really honest. I'll use along with the nine in exotics in here. Exalted, Murray is a major player, makes a lot of sense, and Patron Dioro, 4-9-3-12, but the four Tooth will make a win wager at anything around 5-1. to one. In race number 10 at Del Mar, maiden specials going a mile on the turf course, I thought the 12-horse Grand Luso was very interesting. This one's a half to a horse named Alexis Tangier, who was a stakes winner going long on the turf. Her dam, Cambia Corsa, was the queen of the hill. Multiple graded stakes winner earned 522,000. Did win a stakes going long a mile on the turf. This is a half to a horse named Bronson, who's a stakes winner who won the debut and earned 233,000. A half to a horse named Schiaparelli, who's a grade two winner and four turf wins, won the first two starts. A half to a horse named Moulin de Mougin, who's a grade two winner, four turf wins and won going long and earned 313,000. A half to a horse named Vianette who won three times on the turf and two going long. Grand Luso first time gelding, now in the Dan Blacker barn, bred beautifully, tries the turf. Give me a big look. Grand Lusso, I'll use the 12, along with the 11 and the 2. That's Del Mar, Friday, opening day over at Del Mar. Let's change the discussion and move to Saturday. And we'll start Saturday talking some Monmouth Park. It's Haskell Day over at Monmouth Park. so Samantha Perry, who is the on-track handicapper, does a great job over on the broadcast. She joins us to talk about races 9, 10, 11, and 12. Four graded stakes races. We get you all set up for the Haskell, which goes as race number 12. It's a preview with Samantha Perry. Weekend coming up at Monmouth. It feels like not long ago when we were talking with Samantha Perry, getting all set up for the prep weekend for this big weekend. It's Haskell weekend. So, of course, whenever uh, there's some big races going on over at Monmouth Park, anywhere, a lot of places uh, around the country, but definitely when there's Monmouth Park, we have to call in our friend Samantha Perry to help us out. She does such a great job out there on the broadcast. there uh, giving you information for uh, each and every race at Monmouth, and she joins us now to preview a big Saturday. Samantha, how are you doing?
2: Good. How about you? Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, thank you so much for uh for coming on again. So, fun weekend for you. Big big stakes races and they did not disappoint. We'll go through races uh 9 through 12 on the Saturday card for some of the folks that want to join uh but just as a, a quick thought on the Haskell, which is the big one, um it's a, a good group signed on. You have Taiba who was only, you know, 5 to 1 in the derby and then Jack Christopher who has been so good and literally perfect. Uh, yeah. Those are the, the real headliners in the Haskell.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a, a great race. I, you know, I thought last year it was going to be so exciting. I think I'm more excited this year actually for it. Cause it's going to be, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, anybody snaps Jack Christopher's streak
0: really great quality racing and then uh, good betting opportunities all throughout the card we're gonna talk about races at uh, 9 10 11 and 12 on the saturday card but overall how have things been going for you uh heading into the the big weekend we talked uh, about a month ago and with some of these horses prepped for this big weekend how's the meet been going how's uh everything been going on your end
2: Yeah, it's been really well. Uh, We've hit, I think, actually everywhere in the United States has hit a heat wave now. So obviously, uh, we've we've actually lucked out very well with the weather as of late here at Monmouth. But now it's getting hot. Uh, The turf course has been very quick uh, with the lack of rain. And so, you know, it'll be, I can't foresee that changing much this weekend, which kind of makes you uh, look at the turf races a little bit closer.
0: Now, uh, even uh, in the race before we discussed, there's a nice horse named Highly Motivated who's going to be running for Chad Brown, and uh, he'll be in the Monmouth Cup. That's a good field. Let's yeah. talk about the uh, the matchmaker a little bit, which is going to go as race number nine on Saturday. We're talking about July the 23rd for everyone who wants to follow along and just so many great betting opportunities all throughout the days. Pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. I think the ninth race begins uh, in all graded stakes. Pick four. So it's the matchmaker, it's the winstar matchmaker. Talk about a wide open betting race here, Samantha. Honestly, you can make cases for the legitimate cases for Lamista, Lady Rockstar, Flighty Lady, Fluffy Socks, Vigilante's Way. It's not as if core values has been beaten a whole heck of a lot behind some really nice horses either.
2: Yeah, it's it's such a solid field in this race. And like you said, I mean. Almost any of them you can make a case for. Obviously the one whole Bodie Meister, you have a little more of a tough time making
1: mm-hmm. case
2: for, but uh all of them are you know, I say that now and she'll win. <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, that we probably talked the one in the office etiquette right into the uh into the winner circle there. But a very contentious group for anyone who's playing pick fours, pick fives. I actually think, you know, a horse like core values I might throw into a pick four or five because if you look at her form, she's just been running into some nice horses it's not like she's been all that far behind fluffy socks maybe you get a a better price on her you got a nice local horse in vigilante's way i mean the two to the outside they look pretty interesting
2: they do and vigilante's way just always shows up uh and so it's fun to watch the horse and it's funny you say local horse because that is like the only place that this mare runs
1: yep yeah
2: it's uh, it's cool to see, and, you know, Paco Lopez stays aboard, and, you know, every single time I always think, like, oh, is today the day that I should play this horse? And I almost played her to win last time on that, in the Eaton Town. I was very close to because she had really good odds, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see. She was almost 6-1 to one that day. I'm curious to see how she'll end up on the betting board.
0: Yeah, because it's one of those races where there's going to be one or two horses that sort of get, like, fly under the radar some get yes. forgotten about and they kind of float up and that may be the best way to play this race if you're playing it individually kind of wait around and if one of these horses floats up and they're like 10 to 1 and maybe you're thinking they shouldn't be they may be a good horse to play yeah um, really fun race and we said, think about all of the big connections coming in in this race alone you have flavian pratt jose ortiz joel rosario franco uh, and, uh, Juro all with mounts in the matchmaker. So a great undercard stakes race is, uh, one of the, some really nice undercard stakes races as, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to mention about race nine before we move on?
2: So I will say that, so I'm in Saratoga right now. And this morning I was at the Brendan Walsh barn and I was actually, I, that's my former boss. And, uh, Lady Rockstar was there. I actually went out on the pony with her set, and what a just professional Philly. She's making her third cool. start. Um, Brendan's very good at getting these horses from Europe and kind of acclimating them here to the United States and getting them to run really well. I mean, she's been perfect with him in the United States. And I think that the versatility she showed last out at Belmont is. Helps her. She showed that she can, you know, sit a little bit closer. Obviously, it wasn't the quickest pace, but it was still quick enough for a mile and a quarter race at Belmont. But uh, wow, just seeing her this morning, Gino, it's got me. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit sentimental because, you know, that's my barn, but I will say she's absolutely gorgeous and she's so professional. They stood her today in the gate. She just, her ears, she's got huge ears, like satellite radio ears. And uh, she just has pricked when she's galloping and uh, I think that she could run a really nice race and I think she might be one yeah she's 3 to 1 morning line but I would not be surprised if she creeps up 5 yeah. to 1
0: I agree I agree oh good info good yeah. information there in uh, in race number 9 in the matchmaker as we move along to the Molly Pictor and we start talking uh, about these fillies and mares 3 year olds and up going a mile in the 16th on the main track here so you have a very very talented group uh, that's going to be led by search results. She'll take a ton of the money. She comes out of that tough renewal of the Ogden Phipps that was run on June the 11th, where she was behind Clarier and Malathat, and she faced some of the absolute best older fillies and mares in training. You've got Army Wife, who's become really, really honest and sharp over the last couple of years, and Bonnie South, who she just sort of needs the right kind of pace you know she's just a closer yeah. who sometimes she gets caught behind small fields or behind you know slow paces and she doesn't really get her chance to stretch her legs as much but mm-hmm. if she does she can still run
2: she can and you know you think with the presence of search results that they're going to be you know I, I I can't imagine why this horse wouldn't be on the lead or close to it. I yep. don't know Went so fast in that race at Belmont. Oh my gosh. And then, you know, you really can't blame her for flattening out. Like I was just watching the replay before we started talking and I was thinking, like, Okay, well, she never switched leads down the lane. She's on her left lead, uh, the whole time. But she was so gassed. I mean, and I I mean, do you blame her? You know, no. so you ignore that race and just go, Okay, well, one, look who she was running against, two, look how quick they went and just excuse her for it, you know? I mean, I don't think Chad Brown would throw her into this race. If he thought that, um, you know, she didn't have a legitimate shot or like something was, was not right with her, but I can imagine that it probably took a lot out of her though.
1: Yes,
0: I agree. And if you look at the way the race shapes up, she's not the type that at a short price, I think I would be wanting to single mainly because there's, there's a couple others that are at least fast. Like, I'm not sure how good, a horse like beth's dream is but she's pretty quick and she should at least be forwardly placed Shalimar gardens you know she's also a horse who wants to be pretty close to the front end i don't think she's going to be all too far out of it if we have at least you know one of those two putting a little pressure on search results penny baker hasn't been far out of it either she comes out of a sprint race last time out and I, I could see a couple horses putting a little pressure on search results in here. I don't know if she's quite as much of a slam dunk as it may look, you know, coming out of some of her recent races.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think like you, I think, you know, you mentioned army wife earlier, she's sneaky. And yep. when you look back at her form, every time she runs with Lasix, now she has one without Lasix, but every time she wants runs on Lasix, she wins. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, the only time that she didn't win, she won without Lasix was when she broke her maiden in 2020. So I think that that plays a big, uh, you know, that's a good angle to bet if that's something that you pay attention to or, you know, you like to see.
0: Yes. What's nice about this race is you have search results, legit quality horse, should be favored, deserves to be off of what she's done, off of her resume. She's a millionaire. She's run some bang up races. But you we can find ways for that she gets beat in here. Yeah. And and there are legitimate horses that could take advantage of it some races you have a couple speed horses but then you look at and there's not really any quality closers. Yep. So maybe the speed horses battle each other but the classier of the speed horses probably wins that battle and can kind of just get there. In this race there are a couple with at, at least the presence of Army wife Bonnie South, and even I think a horse like the two Penny Baker, if she sat a little bit, like there's yeah. some quality in here for horses who might be able to sit off and and you know and strike if search results get softened up.
2: Yeah, most definitely. And that Penny Penny Baker, that race that she's coming out of at Churchill, one that was a tough race, very tough. Like Bell's the one is a very nice horse. Scon- Those are
0: legit filly and mare sprinters too.
2: Yes. Very nice, and um. You know, being as – the I guess my biggest concern with her, though, Gino, is like, I, you know, they started her off in, on the grass in Europe, and that's so hard when they, you know, are have been running them consistently on that and then moving them to the dirt. Now, obviously, she's one on the dirt, but she moves more like a turf filly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Mike Stidham, he's, he's not a – I mean, he's a sharp guy, and she was so wide in that Churchill race down the lane. I mean, like, she didn't really – have a prayer you no. know it was just and that was such a tough race that was a a tall task for her, but obviously you know i mentioned running in europe and obviously they don't dirt track racing isn't a big thing over there so they did run her on the synthetic over there but i don't know i think that she could be sneaky anytime that you see godolphin blue in a race you have to wonder
0: that is uh, a another fun really good undercard stakes race as we continue along through the Monmouth Saturday card. We're very lucky to be talking with Samantha Perry, who does the on-track handicapping. She's the paddock host and the analyst over at Monmouth Park. Does a great job over there, and we've been very lucky to get to know Samantha a little bit over the the last year or so. She's helped us on the show quite a bit, and we get into the big graded uh, stakes races, the, the big grade ones in the United Nations, and then we get to the Haskell. So race number 11 is the United Nations, and we have... Tribubin in here, who was last year's winner of the United Nations and Epic Bromance, who was also third in that race. You have Adamo, who's recently been in very nice form, coming out of back-to-back Grade One placings for Chad Brown, and you have Gufo for Christophe Clement, who's been a Grade One caliber horse basically from the get-go and yeah. he's been in like really really strong races and then you have some fun long shots who may be able to get nice trips and maybe parlay that into you know hitting the board or uh getting a share of this race it's a another very strong renewal of the united nations
2: yeah it is and i have no idea what i'm gonna do in this race when it comes to horizontal wagering because I mean everybody in this race is so deserving and so I was trying to pick maybe horses I thought that wouldn't be able to maybe not so much handle the distance but just where it wouldn't suit him as much and Gufo was one that if it was any shorter than this race I would not play but he loves this distance and it it, that's going to be hard to play against him. Joel Rosario knows this horse like the back of his hand and I you know that's that's going to be a tough horse to beat. But I also love the, the Chad Brown runners. I love Adamo, you know, they let Tribune Vaughn just, I'm, I'm saying that name. I can never say this horse. It's like, I
0: say it different times every time I say it. Yes, (laughs) And then I'm like, I think I said it differently 30 seconds ago. Didn't I, you know, every time I do.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I I do too. I don't know why I find it so difficult, but, um, (laughs) Manny Franco, they gave him this race last time. Wow. I mean, just they crawled and he took advantage of it. And it was a nice run. I mean, the horse ran really well. I think that if he sends this horse and nobody goes with him, which I don't know if they're going to let him get away that easy like they did last time. But the way the turf has been playing, the turf has been quick, quick, quick. So I kind of wonder if this horse is going to have, a bit of an advantage just based off of that. But I think Adamo in the Manhattan grade one could have run a better race. He was just kind of like up on heels. Mm -hmm. Flavian was just kind of, I mean, he just couldn't really like get him settled in. I think he wanted to do more, but Flavian just kind of, which Flavian Pratt, I think is my favorite turf rider. He's brilliant. So and I don't he, think it's where he wanted to be in that race.
0: And when he, he's one that you kind of uh, in, in just watching him the last couple of years, when he has a horse like this, where I think he probably feels exactly like what you said, that, you know, we it just bad racing luck, a combination of maybe I could have done things a little bit differently. I feel like he will. And he takes, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where when a horse has a slow start, you will kind of see the connections try to make a very concerted effort in the next start to not have a slow start. Yeah. I sort of feel that way with him when he's on a horse that he maybe got into, got in a little bit of trouble and he thinks he could have been a little bit better. This, this feels like a horse who I think is sitting on a big one to uh yeah. Adamo. just lots of little things took a nice step forward. Third start of his form cycle now. And if, if we can get Carpenter's call or, you know, temple, will not be as fast, but can kind of press. The real key Mm -hmm. will be with, you know, horses that like Epic Bromance, what do they want to do? And can a horse, you know, can, can Carpenter's Call be the type of horse to really help press drive Ubin? Because there's a few horses in here we can see. And then, and then the inside and the outside horses could really be, be storming home late and be very tough to hold off.
2: Exactly. And, you know, you talk about horses storming late, like Kentucky Ghosts Race in the cliffhanger, was so impressive as well like that was just such a beautiful closing kick and uh you know coming off that just horrible performance in the turf classic and i remember i was interviewing the connections at bb and racing after that race and i said you know do you, i asked him before the interview i said do you mind if i ask what happened you know in the turf classic like before we go on air because i figured Maybe the horse bled, like what mm-hmm. happened? Because it says banned off. And he just said that he wanted no part of the that ground that day. Just absolutely no part of it. But and
0: you just put like, a line right through that race, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it and you look back and he's a horse who you may look at some of his form and you may not see a bunch of grade ones that he's won. Mm-hmm. But if you look at some of the company that he's kept and the horses that he's been really competitive with. Including a horse like In Love, yeah. He he, those races at Kentucky that are not graded stakes races, some of them, but they run for three and four and five hundred thousand dollar races. Yeah, he lost to, you know, a horse named In Love who came right back and won the Grade One Keeneland Turf Mile.
2: Yep, a very nice horse. That's uh, Paulo Lobo, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And that horse was only. That horse came back in the Breeders' Cup mile and was only, you know, was only beaten like three lengths. Hasn't yeah. quite been able to put it all together yet. But that's a nice horse who's earned like 770000 So he's he's sneaky, too. He's one to include as yeah. an underhorse that talked about local. So I just wanted to mention him because I don't know if he wants to go this far. I don't know if he's good enough to keep up with some of the better horses. I but
2: think I know where you're going. He's, he's pure gold.
0: Right? Oh, yeah. He's he's pure gold is kind of, he can maybe just put himself in a, get a trip to hit the board, finish third or fourth underneath, spice up some of the exotics. This horse has won four times over this turf course. He's local for Kelly Breen and Paco Lopez, third off the bench. Lots of little things to like for a horse who, you know, you look back last year, he wasn't all that far behind in a couple of graded stakes races behind public sector yeah. and never surprised. Yeah. Yep. And he's a four year old starting to improve a little bit. I can make some cases for him underneath.
2: Yeah, you really can. And like you said, he's four years old. Like he's just finding his, his rhythm. I think, you know, some of these horses like Gufo, he's five, he's taken him a while to really mature. And of course, you know, Adamo's four, but he's had a lot of racing experience. I think that just he's pure gold is, think peaking at the right time right now
0: totally agree um good group again lots of fun some storylines some real quality we'll see what the pace looks like with Tribuvin. if anyone's able to get out there and put a little pressure on him and uh We'll turn the page to the Haskell. Anything else you want to mention about this one?
2: No, a tough race. It would have to, I, I've got to find a single in the sequence. I, and I think it's got to be in the Haskell, but I'm not, I'm not too confident.
0: <laughs> and uh, we get to the Haskell. We've got a million dollars up for grabs. They'll go a mile in an eighth grade one status. There, one of the biggest races of the year anywhere in, uh, in racing. And definitely one of the big features at Monmouth park. And it's a good group that signed on. You have Jack Christopher, who is undefeated. He's four for four. He was your champagne winner last year. And he had a, an issue right before the Breeders' Cup, which caused him to miss the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He had he was not able to get ready for the Kentucky Derby or any of the big three-year-old Triple Crown races this year. But they had him ready for the undercard to run in the Pat Day Mile. It was awesome. Came back in the Woody Stevens won that by 10 lengths he's earned big speed figures and now he's going to try to stretch it out to a mile and an eighth far as he uh, has ever been he's awesome though uh, samantha and he yeah. yeah he's literally done nothing wrong
2: no he hasn't and uh i mean just what a cool cool horse i mean he's built to the hill uh just absolutely gorgeous munnings colt and yeah you can't knock him for his form but who's who's pressed him that's my biggest thing. Completely we...
0: agree. And yep. you start looking at the horses who he's beat. I don't like doing the, well, who did he beat? But a lot of the horses that he beat, you're looking at them. And we're even last year, we're looking at Command Performance, you know, who didn't come back this year.
2: <laughs> exactly. Papa, had, Papa. To, had to make, break his maiden at Monmouth Park, finally. <laughs>
0: yep. Uh, Papa <laughs> Cap, who he's fine, but not necessarily the best of the best three year olds. And now he'll have to go a little farther. Mm-hmm. And this race does at least have a few other speeds in here.
2: Yes. Yep, it does. Which, you know, he can he can stalk. I you know, looking at it, howling time, that's I mean, I can't imagine Joe Talamo riding him any different than being in the lead here. Yep,
0: yep, or right there, right just yeah. really close to the front end like he's been because he doesn't seem that he hasn't been the same when he was disinterested in having to come from farther back. Some horses yep. need to be close up to stay interested and involved.
2: Exactly. And that was a nice race that he ran against Cyber Knife. I mean mm-hmm. I wasn't you know I do like Cyberknife and I like his story. Um Al Gold, his owner obviously is a local guy. And uh you know they I I actually the one of the doctors who I work for, he's good friends with him and he was on the phone with him the other day. And I was in the conversation and he's like, you know, he's doing as good as he can be. But I think the pro- biggest problem with cyber knife is he's just very cultish. And obviously you can't cut a horse like this cause he's already a grade one winner. But, um, you know, I just find it hard to, I just don't think he's mature enough yet to step up here. And you know, if you, You're gonna, you know, I'm a big believer is like in horses coming out of the same race. Like, if you're gonna use one, you got to use the other one. And that was a tough photo. I mean, I went back and watched it again, Gino. And I, oh my gosh, you you,
0: you don't even know who you're like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a a wicked beat? beat.
2: Or did the other one win? Yeah, it was, it's so, it's very, very tough. So you kind of wonder what. Oh, gosh i mean i i don't know what to do with those two it's it's hard for me to uh, yeah i don't know and dale romans he's so sneaky with these races you know mm-hmm.
0: so the other horse in here that'll take a ton of money is going to be taiba who's now back in the bob baffert barn yeah taiba broke his maiden then he won the Santa anita derby mm-hmm. he was only five to one in the kentucky derby he just had a tough trip he just never was oh. One of those horses who just you kind of put a line through the Derby, you know, and yeah, you have to. And you know that he is coming out here for a barn who's won this race a bunch, who knows exactly how to get ready. I don't. He's kind of he he's interest like he you can't really knock his wins at all. He's just he's still so lightly raced. It's he's so fascinating because he's the type of horse who I could really see go either way. But he's he's going to be pretty tough in here if he can just stalk like pretty nicely, maybe sit third or fourth behind a couple speeds.
2: Yep. I, you know, I think that this is, I'm, I'm not a, a hundred, I'm going to make the decision a little bit later this evening after I think on it a little bit more, maybe circle back to this race, but I think he might be my single. I really love this horse. I, I loved him going into the Derby, even though, I mean, I, I didn't like his price there, but um yeah i mean throwing a horse into a 20 horse field who's never ran with more than seven horses that's so tough to do he took
0: money um, too he he, took like legitimate sharp money from a lot of sharp people in the derby who thought he he might be the type of horse who was just better than the rest of this group and he still might be
2: he could be yeah that's the thing is you don't know and you go back and you watch his works at Santa Anita before we got on the phone I was watching his works and you know he's a horse that you have to get after a little bit more and Bob Baffert has said that multiple times like you know he's he obviously Bob Baffert's MO is always working him in company but you know when the other horse kind of starts dropping back because this colt has so much natural ability the rider has to continuously get after him because you know, he's one that needs, if his company's gone, like, you know, he's like, well, whoa, it's just immaturity, I think. And um, thank God we've got the whips back here at Monmouth. Cause I think if it was last year, I don't know, that would be yeah Mm -hmm.
0: You're right. You're right. That's a great point too. And I, so it sounds like you and me are both, if you had to pick between the two Taiba and Jack Christopher, yeah I I think I'm leaning Taiba right now.
2: I, I am as well. And I think Jack Christopher's amazing and obviously like I would love to see him win but I you know in these turf races I lean naturally more towards spreading in them because I think there's more mm-hmm. more chances of something to happen and I would like to have
0: The a, trips the trips fun. are a little bit more important, right? In- Saving ground, getting in trouble. Like on the dirt you can be sitting a little bit wide, you can give up a little bit more on the dirt and be the better horse and win. Usually yeah. That that's not quite as the the case, and I think we'll kind of know pretty early with this race because if Jack Christopher gets like a two length lead and he's cruising, I'm gonna go, uh oh, maybe yes. he's faster than this group, and maybe he's just really good. Yep. But if he's if he's having to work a little bit, it might and Taiba's be. sitting two three lengths behind, or you know, just in a good spot with one or two others pressing Jack Christopher, I I think that's the because I I kept trying. I'm sort of like you. I don't really have any knocks on Cyber Knife. Like I yeah. and I want to like him a yes, little bit more, I think, too. than I yeah. do. Like I feel like okay, he might be able to get a really nice trip saving some ground on the inside. I could see him sitting just behind, but I don't I still don't know how good he is right now. Yep. Um yeah. So I, I yeah I, I
2: wonder if maybe hit four year old yes going to be he more could, of his thing.
0: I could feel like see him like a gun runner. Yeah, you know, being like a little bit more later, developing and really stepping forward towards the end of the year, and just keep getting better and better. But if Taiba is still kind of freaky good and maybe a little bit ahead of this group, and we might see that with with Jack Christopher, mm-hmm. it's a it's a fun field worth at least mentioning. We talked about Howling Time. Um, worth at least mentioning White Abario, who is your Florida Derby winner and yeah. uh, your Holy Bull winner. He comes out of the Ohio Derby last time out. I've I've never been able to be on the right side of him. <laughs> in his races so far uh-huh. i've always sort of like tried to beat him in a couple of the spots and then when i used him once or twice i was just kind of on the wrong side of him but he certainly got some quality and he's the type of horse who might be able to sit an okay trip he, it wasn't as if his last race was bad
2: no, it wasn't. I think my biggest concern, and, and Safi Joseph, his trainer, what a nice guy. I mean, super humble, you know, came from Barbados with not a lot and came here and just worked very hard to get the horses that he has. But unfortunately, he doesn't win outside of Florida. Yeah. So that's my hardest thing with him. The, the C2 racing stable, I respect them a lot. Um, I don't know if you saw like a few weeks ago, somebody was trying to get a horse claimed from Lone Star and uh to retire and they put in the money they just like tweeted back and said done so you respect connections like that uh but in you know joel rosario's riding the horse so obviously that's a a good sign um you know he could shop we we could be on the wrong side of him here but if we are i'll i'll take that on the chin with yeah
0: i agree there's there's prices that we'll like a little bit better and we'll feel stronger about you know than that one uh in in days to come and i Um, do
2: want to mention also you know this was supposed to be the only local horse and then actually at the draw so we were supposed to start the draw uh yesterday at noon and it got behind because we had two late entries which was the three one time willard the new jersey bread and the five king of hollywood um so now they're quote unquote local horses but benavingo the eight uh this is a horse that I've actually, I've got to spend a lot of time with his connections because uh, I'm just working on a, a video piece about this horse. And they claimed this horse for $25,000. They showed me pictures of when they claimed him. And this is not a knock on Kathleen O'Connell at all. This horse is a, a blanky horse. And Gormleys are just kind of like, I don't know, I feel like they're a bit gangly in general, but this horse has maybe gained 200 pounds since they claimed him. And I you know, they talk about, you know, it's cliche to say like, oh, this horse is getting good just at the right time. But wow, this horse is just incredible looking so classy to be around his team. uh, Jesse Cruz's team is just they have a great story. They're so hands on him and his girlfriend. Uh, they they run things together and so humble and I, of course, like I would love because I mean, that would be his first. He's only run in one other graded stakes race, and that was in Oakland. So this is just his running, just second. I mean, he's 28 years old. So uh, he pays so, such good attention. Obviously, Jockey Isaac Castillo has been aboard him all those times. And uh, Jockey Isaac Castillo uh, had a horse stumble on him a few weeks ago. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. And he broke. um, A cervical, a small cervical break in his neck. So that's kind of a bummer. But Angel Rodriguez has been so good lately. And, uh, you know, I think if I was playing a super, I would be putting this horse in a thousand percent.
0: Samantha, it's so fun talking with you. You're able to give us some uh, good stories about some of the local horses, some of the local connections, like we heard, and uh, also some fantastic handicapping information from you. Always, we are going to give you a follow on social media on Twitter at Samantha G Perry, and we will definitely be tuned in. Uh, what else do you have uh, to mention before we uh, before we let you get out of here?
2: Oh, just enjoy the Haskell. I mean, it's it's going to be a great day of racing if you're not with us there, um, make sure you, uh, you know, get your bets in. There's going to be those, these, uh, all stakes sequences are very nice. And if you are there, uh, make sure to come by and, and say, hi, I'll be around all day. So hopefully picking you out some winners as well
0: that sounds so great. Thank you so much. We'll be tuned in and we look forward to hearing more from you, um, on the broadcast. You do such a great job out there and it's, it's always nice to be able to catch up with you again. We'll, uh, we'll have to link back up again in a, in a few weeks when you have, uh, another couple cool races out there to talk about.
2: Yes. Thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: Make sure to give uh, Samantha a follow out there and don't go anywhere, folks. We have a lot more to discuss on that's what she said. Thank you to Samantha for checking in with us again for another big day over at Monmouth Park. Before we move along and continue with the Saturday racing, we have to remind you about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Her website, c-i-n-d-y-c-a-r-a-v-a.com, Cindy com. And as a full-service realtor, she can help you with buying, with selling, with leasing, she can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you're looking for home improvement. If you're just curious about uh, seeing what your home is worth, she'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. If you need help with a a loan, she'll connect you with the right type of lenders who can help get you pre-approved and expedite that process. Head to her website. You can find all of the projects that she's worked on, her current listings, reviews from people on Yelp and Zillow that have worked with her. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people you'll ever meet. She just wants to help you and she will make your life so much easier. CindyCarava.com. Let's talk some Saturday Saratoga as we head to race number 4 on the Saturday Saratoga card. I'm looking at the number 6 in race number 4. I'm looking at Veronica Green. They're going to be stepping foot on the turf and Veronica Green will try the grass for the first time. She Went long on June the 9th. She's making her third start. She comes off of a fourth place finish. She had an okay start. She was kind of gradually backed up to sixth, about three lengths off. Then she moved inside. She got caught in between horses. She was traveling really well inside and she tried to get off the rail and she had to move all the way around five wide. It was a little bit better than it may look on paper. Her dam is a three time winner. All of those came on the turf. She won her first two starts and multiple stakes winner going long on the turf. I'm expecting Veronica Green to improve on the green. If she's anything around 7-2, I'm going to make a win wager there on Saturday. In the fifth race at Saratoga, it's the grade one coaching club, American Oaks, and Butterbeans comes off of a nice win in the Iowa Oaks. You've got Nest, the Belmont runner-up, who was the runner-up in the Kentucky Oaks, and you've got the Kentucky Oaks winner in Secret Oath, who was fourth in the Preakness, she think nostalgic's got some ability she had a brutal trip in the oaks step slow but she recovered pretty well on the inside she was 10th she's about 10 lengths off she was in some traffic and then she moved up nicely traveling well and then she was completely blocked had nowhere to go she had to stop all momentum and back up she got shut off again multiple times and then they just packed it in at one point it was a brutal brutal trip for nostalgic i think she can compete with these Going long and in a small field like this, Nostalgic is 10 to 1 on the morning line. In race number 8, I thought that the number 5 Stage Left was a bit interesting. There's a lot of talented horses in here. Favorite Outlaw, Under Oath, highly respected. But Stage Left is a 6-time winner with some versatility. Can sit off a bit. Proven at Saratoga. Make sure to include this horse in some of your late exotics there. If you're playing late pick 4s and pick 5s, might be one that can offer you some nice value and uh, a horse who you know can win, and maybe won't be as good of a horse down the line, but a little more seasoned and proven than, than some of the others. In race number 10, it's a stakes race. The four, bout time, I thought was interesting. Caravelle is very sharp, but Super Sensational was a affiliate I followed a lot last year, and she was off for a while. She was off from October to June. She tried the turf for the first time, and it was a really good second. She just missed in the Royal North, and a a gray two up at Woodbine. I think it's a good spot for her. She can sit off a little bit. She's got some positional speed. Super sensational. She's 8-1. to Anything around 5-1 to will make a win wager there on super sensational. That's on Saturday over at Saratoga. Let's move to Del Mar for Saturday. A couple races I really want to take a look at for Saturday. The 3rd, and then the ninth and the 10th. So in the 3rd at Del Mar... They'll go a mile on the turf course. The two Karakatsi can sit a really nice trip in here. Third start off the bench, put a line through the race on May the 21st. It was her first start in 10 months. She needed the race. She just backed up. Last year, she was super competitive with them, with some very classy runners. And now she's going to get Lasix for the first time. Karakatsi expecting her to sit a very nice trip in here. Galavi the 8 I will also include she might be the one they all have to catch in here she can also sit close Feathers can offer you some nice value this is a race where you could get some nice you know, 6 8 to 1 shots in the mix I'll use the 2 along with the 8 and 11 in exotics let's move to race number 9 on Saturday um, in the ninth race I like the one Quattorel quite a bit here Tyler has had a really nice year he's going to be aboard her, he's been aboard her for a while she's going to go second start off the very long layoff, she didn't race from May of 2021 to, to just June about a month ago, and she was taken back to 6th of 7 in, in that race she was you know, 7, 8 lengths off going into the turn, she was traveling pretty well, she tipped to the outside she closed very nicely to finish second, the horse who beat her, Carpe Venum is in this race, and that horse got a big time jump on her, that was her first start in a while, so she's got the right to step forward. She's going to be inside saving the ground instead of having to be outside like she was last time. Look at her form before the layoff. Two races where she she managed to go in global three in a row. Two of those times it was a mile and an eighth, and a mile and an eighth is probably a little too far from her for her. She fits very nicely in here. She's twelve to one on the morning line in the tenth race at Del Mar on Saturday. I like the eight a bit. That's Arkin. Arkin tried a mile in a 16th last time out. He just doesn't want to go that far. He's been long a couple times. He's finished third in both of those races. He's a better sprinter. And at a trip like this, it'll be perfect for him. He won his first two starts, showed good speed, tried his stakes after that. And then he had a long layoff from January of 2021 to April of 2022. He's just kind of getting back into the swing of things. I think he's going to be ready for his absolute best. He tried the turf a couple times. Then he tried the dirt going long. And he, he had a good start. He was right on the lead. He moved to the outside, and he was pressing. Um, he went right up to engage. It's a good spot for him, drawn to, towards the outside. I think he can sit a great trip. Arkin, he's 15-1 to 1 on the morning line. So we've got some big prices for you on Saturday over at Del Mar. Opening weekend, awesome cards at Del Mar this weekend. Let's finish up the racing talking some Louisiana Downs for Saturday, July the 23rd. If you ever need a little help, I help out on the broadcast before every race. I'm the uh, pre-race analysis and my selections are up there on the broadcast. In race number one, I'm going to go with the three. He's a sexy zong. Had a fast start last time out, but a couple to the outside were flying and this guy was back to third, fourth on the inside. He just kind of got outrun by quicker maiden special weights. I think he gets the lead in here. The two... Kujian's case got squeezed back at the start to last in a race where he was chasing a lone speed winner, a horse who came right out of that race to win next time out. He just missed third in a better-than-looks race on paper. The one, Hilaire, not exactly sure what happened last time out, just did not fire at all. If he can get back to some of his better races, he's going to be really tough in here to hold off. Race number two, the one Vegas guy is going to be a chalk who could be pretty tough from the inside, the one to catch and beat. The two boating party... Wild card on the drop. Exit's a lot tougher. Not sure if he's going to get the type of race shape he needs, though. Real Brave is a measuring stick at this level. Fits really well off the recent form. Let's move to the third race. Maiden, 12.5 to 17.5 claimers. About 7.5 on the turf. I'm looking towards the outside. The six, look it. Had a slow start and had a backup to last. It was about eight lengths off. And moved to the outside. It was about to move to the outside and stopped, waited, then moved to the inside and was really traveling well and weaving through traffic late. This barn has won four times at the meet so far. This is a sneaky horse in here. Look it. The 8 CF Congress had some brutal trips in his last two. He got floated really wide going into the turn. He's due for a little racing luck. Lozada jumps aboard. Maybe he can get aggressive on him. The one golden quality, major drop in class. Doesn't have to be much to uh, to be competitive in here. In the fourth race, about the eight was a horse to include. That is Kasseloff coming off of a troubled trip. He got squeezed back at the start. He was way out of it. The winner was on the lead in that race, Bebop Shoes. Uh, Jose Guerrero is at Evangeline Downs. That's why he's not aboard this one. The seven, two dot, feels like the horse to beat, coming off a very nice recent form. The two... Red Vivius likes it at Louisiana and fits the conditions really well. The one, the gray blur, is in, in nice form. I wouldn't talk you off any of the four of them. 8721. In the fifth, we've got Louisiana Bread Maiden Specials, five furlongs on the main track. I thought the two rap artists for the Justin Johnson Barn, who's been rolling lately. Since May the 10th, they've had 15 horses that they've started, six wins and four seconds. 10 of the 15 have been in the top two. This damn was a five-time winner, Artist's Cry, and Rap Artist is a half to a multiple winner. The six, Rocket Doctor, the dam of this one was a six-time winner who earned 300000 was also a stakes winner, and this barn is really capable first time out. The four, A Million Stars, adds The Blinks, was your beaten favorite in the debut. The one, Blinded by the Gs, was also a beaten favorite in the debut, but won't be easy down on the rail again. They both come out of uh, the ju- they both come out of the June 26th race. A Million Stars was beaten favorite on July the 10th. Moving to the 6th race, I love the 5, CryptoZonic. I'm okay with singling him in the pick 4. He finally gets off the rail. He's been jammed down towards the inside and forced a little bit. I think he's going to have a much different trip. He'll be able to sit very nicely. 5 is the single for me. 6-1, and 6-2. Uh, and two. I guess six and one underneath, either one, one or two um, in the third and fourth spots, but definitely the five as the single. In the seventh and final, the two Shady Grady might be able to steal this race on the front end. I'll look towards the outside for the nine. Uh, Burn, third start off the bench, who will come running. Both of his wins have been here, so you get the speed with the two. You get the closer with the nine. Calling in the night should be sitting just behind them. The five, now you rules, proven turf form, and uh, a little bit of upside. 2965, that's Saturday, Louisiana Downs. How about that? Friday, Saratoga, Friday, Del Mar, Saturday, Monmouth, Saturday, Saratoga, Saturday, Del Mar, Saturday, Louisiana. You just don't get that type of coverage anywhere. You don't get those types of prices anywhere. People trying to give you not just winners, but legitimate reasoning for big prices. Hopefully, we can send you to a few this weekend. Let's start talking some NFL. Eric joins me. We continue with our AFC team previews. We head to the AFC South. The Colts we will talk the Titans. We'll talk the Jags. We'll talk the Texans right now, previewing each of those teams with Eric. NFL team previews roll on, and that's what G said. We are up to the AFC South now. Eric joins us again as we dive into the Colts, the Titans, the Jags, and the Texans. And Eric, I mean... I know your boy is in this division, that beautiful long neck Davis mills, a man last year who you just could not quit over and over. You got to be more excited to talk about this division than maybe any of the others.
3: I am thoroughly excited (laughs) to talk about a little Davis mills. Um, You know, I'm surprised we're not having a whole preview preview on just him. Just him. Yeah. Also lovey Smith. I mean, you love him too. You love you some lovey. That's a I good... love me some lovey. Um, overachievers. They're over those guys. They're o... for a,
0: for a coach like you, yeah. you like overachievers, you know, people with talent that underachieve who likes them guys who overachieve. That's who you like.
3: And you know what? I also like people when I'm behind them in the grocery store and they have a shopping cart full of stuff and I have two items. Let me go ahead of them. Oh yeah. And that's what lovey Smith did when he what was a, here. What a good dude. I mean, okay. so he, I feel know, differently I, now about. I, Lovey. I'm lucky because where I live out here in the burbs is next to the practice facility, so I see these guys all the time, all the time. In fact, one of the former players used to be my neighbor a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for the Bears, so yeah, Lovey's a great guy. You know, I think it was. We'll we'll talk about them in a little bit. So, well, let's start with the Colts. We'll go team by team here, as the Colts are actually favored
0: to win this division. Uh, when I was looking at the odds over the last couple of days, I'm seeing around Colts at a minus 115-ish. Titans one, plus 160. Jags plus 750. Texans plus 2500. This was uh, looking at FanDuel just a couple of days ago. And the Colts win total over under nine and a half. I'm seeing nine and a half at around minus 160. Now, the Colts, when you think about last year where they were very successful, the run game, pounding the run offensive line. They're going to bring in Matt Ryan now as their quarterback. And now that's going to be their fifth different starting quarterback in five years. I don't care who you are as a coaching staff. That is not easy having five different quarterbacks in five different years starting. I mean, no rhythm, but Matt Ryan did have a little bit left in the tank last year. He, You know, he didn't have a whole lot of weapons there, Eric. I'm not sure if he's, you know, the type of, quarterback that's going to still be able to, you know, get away from sacks here and there, but this offensive line should be pretty good and he was still pretty good with the deep ball last year in spots. So, I'm I'm a little intrigued. This is not the strongest division in the world. There's a reason why this team is favored in here. Overall, they probably have the most solid roster. Let's talk about some of their uh, strengths and weaknesses. Let's get into the Colts.
3: Uh, first thing is they lost someone that's kind of sneaky that I think is going to hurt the defense. They lost Rock Yasim. He was graded very high by um, PFF in the secondary. I think that loss is going to be pretty big. Um, also, I'm not a gut- big Gus Bradley fan. They brought no, in-
0: I agree. I knew we were going to talk about him here too. Yeah. As the D.C. Um, they, now, I will say,
1: he's going sort play- of – He's they sort of him. have the
0: yeah, the the personnel that's okay for Bradley, right? Because they have some guys that can sort of get there without needing the blitz pretty well. But he's I don't like him. He's just be he's like too old school and stubborn.
3: Yeah. And not
0: adaptable school.
3: enough, you know. And that was like they were 31st in pressure created last year. And yeah. with the forest Buckner, that's definitely an issue because he is one of the premier linemen in the league. Um, I think they're gonna blitz a lot more. And this is one of the crazy stats I found. They were bottom three in missed tackles, so they just weren't able to wrap people up last year. Um, you mentioned Matt Ryan. This will be Matt Ryan's best offensive line since 2016. Um, they're moving Danny Pinter, they're shifting him from center to right guard. Kelly's gonna be starting now as center. I think that's pretty interesting. Uh Wright does like to run a lot of rpos but with matt ryan that's just that's just not what he does he's not an rpo type quarterback and then when i was looking at some fantasy football stuff um you know jonathan taylor is like the big guy right now that everyone's talking about in fantasy football um let's play when you draft a tight end one what do, what do you expect his like bare minimum to be per game point-wise, if that makes sense. Like what, what like bare minimum.
0: Yeah. So you're talking points, what, like 10 double digit
3: points. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like, what do you expect him to get? Cause like RB one, RB one, you have the first pick you draft uh, Jonathan Taylor. 18, you know, 15, 18 points. He had this, this, guess how many games under 20 points last year he had. How many? Eight. Yeah. He had four points under 15. He had two games under 10. Um, If you just look, I've lost my window. Um, If you just look like, of course, this is pure fantasy pros. um, If you just look at his production during, um, during the, um, the championship weeks last year, So during the championship weeks, Jonathan Taylor, he had. um, So the championship week was what? Week 17. He had 17.4 points. Semifinals against Arizona. A whopping 10 point. Yeah. Um, It kind of gets skewed. His total kind of gets skewed because he had that game against Buffalo where he scored over 50 he had the game against the jets where he scored over 30 um so his totals kind of get skewed a little he had three games over 30 four games over 25 so he kind of had those outlier games where his total gets yeah. a little bit it's yeah and infl- yeah
0: it's infl- it's it's inflated right week to week he's not giving you quite as much value yeah, because he, you're yeah. not getting that week to week production as much as you are high low um, it's just one of those a lot of miles to? Have
3: to like kind of be um, kind of be wary about which brought up that online has like some player totals um, and his player total for yardage is 1400 and a half yeah. you know and I mean that's I kind of want to lean under there as crazy as it sounds I know they play the Texans the Jags twice Titans defense isn't that good but I'm I'm really tempted to play the under there. I wanted to see what you thought of that. I don't mind it.
0: And I just don't I don't like playing oh I would always play under on someone coming off of a year like he had. And when you look at the year that he had, it was more of a it was more of a built-up overall. Like Derrick Henry, for example, was so much better on a per game basis. If you're looking at, you know, points per game, averages. He was able to build it up because he was one of the guys that stayed healthy and was one of the few guys that they were one of two NFL teams that averaged a positive EPA per play during the 2021 regular season. Impressive run blocking, and, you know, they had a good running back. I I agree with you. He had 1,200 rushing yards after contact. That's one of those things that's really hard to continue. I don't know how good the wide receivers are this year. Look at their wide receiver room. Michael Pittman Jr. could have an awesome year, right? He could have a really good year. Everyone else is very unproven. This is the rest of their wide receivers group. And they're, what's cool about their wide receivers, they're huge. They're massive. Like, everyone in their wide receivers room is really, really big. The problem is none of them are proven whatsoever. Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, Mike Stra- uh, Strashan, Desmond Patman, Ashton Doolin, Mo Alley-Cox, Jelani Woods, and Kylan Granson. That's all of their pass catchers.
3: Yeah. It's you, really, I mean, are you going to be it's one of those worried about don't. those
0: guys going one-on-one? No, you're taking those guys one-on-one. you worry about Pittman. You make all of the other receivers beat you, and you stack the box against them. They're not going to be that difficult to defend unless one or two
3: of these guys really step up. And I mean, they lived with Jonathan Taylor in the red zone. His over under for TDs on bet online is 13 and a half. He led the inside the 20, 85 carries, 14 touchdowns. Inside the 10, 41 carries, 13 touchdowns. Inside the five, 26 carries, 11 touchdowns. So 11 of his 18 total touchdowns came inside the five. You have to think they're going to be stacking just utterly stacking the box there. So I do think that under 13 rush under 13, that's pure rushing. He did have two receiving touchdowns last year. Um, I, I didn't bet it, but I would kind of lean to the under 13 rushing touchdowns. The, so
0: Frank, Reich, Solid coach. Like I I think he's pretty good coach. We know what they're going to kind of be. They're going to try to be a, a, a run team, offensive line you know that's that's going to be a strength for them that should be a strength for them but, i mean
3: Kelly's going to be starting at center that's my one worry is kelly moving over from S- kelly starting at center and pinner sliding over to a guard that is kind of my little bit of a worry can quentin nelson stay healthy um they drafted my boy bernard redmond from um, there's
0: there's some shifting going on right like the
3: I worked out with Bernard Redman. Nice. I have never been more embarrassed lifting next to someone. Oh, that's great. In a public gym than when I lifted with Bernard Redman. Um, you know, they have solid – they were only 23rd in pass blocking last year, ninth in run blocking, 23rd in sacks allowed. Um, You know, they lost Fisher, which, I mean, let's be honest, it's Eric Fisher. You know, like yeah. – you know who really cares? Um, you know, secondaries. I don't really love their secondary. Well, the, using losing. Excuse me, Jan Sim. I think is a very underrated loss because he was graded so heavy by Pro Football Focus and how Gus Bradley wants to play. You need those guys back there that are legit. So, the Colts. I mean, the division is
0: not strong. We don't have to pretend like it's a great division, and Tennessee is probably going to come back a little bit this year. We'll talk about them in a second. The I don't love this team, but you know, going through their schedule, I think I, I think I have them pretty close to what their total is. I, I think I have them at ten and seven, and battling for, you know, for the division with with Tennessee, pretty close well, to that.
3: Let's, let's start off right off the bat. You know, I I gave the big tease last week that I have a betting. A bet, a betting trend week one against Davis Mills. Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. Home divisional dogs, 71% ATS, 65% straight up. They beat Jacksonville last year. Houston yeah. did at home. I mean, uh, in week one. So, so I mean, I, I think I, I have them losing week one against the Colts, but so, so against the Texans, excuse so,
0: me. So, and, and so that's, that's. That's a good pick, and I think we'll get they are favored in that game and will be favored in their first two games. And they're on paper pretty easy, right? So let's say they're one and one or two and oh, right? After those first two weeks, you think you don't uh, think they're coming out of the box and losing the two, the first two? Well,
3: no, I'll have them like I think they split those games. Um, then two home games against Kansas City, Tennessee. I think they split those.
0: Yeah. So they they'll come out 2 and 2. I could see that. I had them 3 and 1 out of that spot and then at Denver, on
3: a short week, I have them losing that game. I have them losing that game too.
0: So I so then I have them beating Jacksonville at home. You get sort of a mini buy there. I have them losing at Tennessee. The yeah. the stretch that I thought was pretty tough is week 7 through I guess really 11 where you got to go at Tennessee, you're home for Washington. I'm not exactly
3: sure what we're going to get from Washington. Some revenge game, man.
0: Right? Yeah. Don't know exactly what we're going to get from them. Then you got to go at New England and at Vegas. That's not an easy travel schedule. You go from New England and then you go all the way to Vegas. Then you come home and you play Philly, who should be pretty good. So I thought that's kind of a tough, a tough stretch for them. I think, I think they can go, you know, actually have them losing three out of four games and then splitting when they come home with Philly and Pittsburgh.
3: Um I mean that Philly game Philly does have short rest.
0: Yeah. That game, so that's a good
3: so That's a that's a good spot to fade them. Um the thing with Pittsburgh is there's we got so many questions with them, their defense, their offensive line, who's starting with quarterback. I mean, projecting that far out is really tough. Um
0: So how do you have them overall? What do you think their win totals can I have be around?
3: Them winning 10-9 games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I got um, them at 10. I don't think they're going to be great, but that may be enough. We'll talk about the Tennessee in a division that's not strong. I think Jacksonville and Houston are going to be feisty this year. I don't think they're 10-win teams, though, right? I think they can, just like you said, I wouldn't be shocked if Houston beats them in week one and or if Jacksonville could sneak up on the Colts. Jacksonville's got a crazy... Thing about playing the Colts really well, too, right? They beat them last year. they like in Jacksonville, they always play them really, really well. Um, and in Indy, I think they play him tough too. But I 10, I can't I can't get a great feel for them either because I don't I don't really know what to expect from Matt Ryan, but they I mean they're they're sort of the favorite in this division by default.
3: And I mean, we're talking about the weakness in their secondary. Gus Bradley, defensive corner of the Raiders last year. Raiders. Did give up the second most passing TDs, yeah. So it's not like you know, like
0: he doesn't fit. Yeah, he doesn't scheme well with a bad secondary to kind of hide to hide that. And um, if for some reason, uh, yeah, Taylor wasn't just quite as efficient. I mean, they could struggle.
3: Gets hurt. Like play. I hate to do this, but if Taylor gets hurt, yeah, it's you can see the wheels falling off very quickly. Very quickly. The
0: Colts, we both got them around 10 wins in the uh, AFC South. Let's move along and let's talk about the Titans. They are second in the division as far as the betting odds are concerned. The Titans over under is also nine and a half, but it's uh, minus 135 on the under nine and a half. I'm seeing around plus 115 on the over. So the Titans have a schedule I I didn't think is the easiest in the world. And when you look at this team, it's funny. They're sort of starting to shift a little bit differently than they were a few were, you know, a year or two ago. They have a pretty good secondary and some talented sort of playmakers there, but they have some major question marks at the wide receiver position. They bring in a Robert Woods off of an injury, Traylon Burks, and then uh, uh, Westbrook, Akeen. They're going to need some from him, Austin Hooper, and Jeff Swain at the tight end position. I mean, I think they're probably not far behind Indy. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. They were a team that things went very, very well for them, even with some of the injuries. Henry is an absolute beast. They ran the ball well. I think they're pretty well coached. I don't think they're going to be a bad team because of that. I think they're just kind of a slightly a 500-ish team. Let's talk about some of the positives, negatives
3: for the Titans. Well, the big thing with them is they lost both interior guards, scaffold and Quisenberry they're both no longer with the team this is a run first team and both those guys were ranked in the top 10 in their position at pass blocking um so that's going to be a big thing they are replacing them with Aaron Brewer who last year per PFF 78th overall 88th in pass blocking 72nd in run blocking and Nate and Brewers coming over from Seattle, and we all know how bad the Seahawks line was. Nate Davis back up last year, 33 overall, 84th in pass blocking, 27th in run blocking. So, I mean, that's a pretty big hole. But obviously, this offensive line goes with Taylor Lewan. Taylor Lewan, since coming back from tearing his ACL in 2020, hasn't been that dominant book tackle at the left hand left left tackle position so i really feel like this offensive line has a lot of issues going into this year um you mentioned prior it- to
0: last oh, year he yeah. never earned a, a pass protecting grade lower than 78 yeah. last year he had a 70 just like a totally different guy you know it yeah. doesn't seem totally. like that much but that's the difference between being elite and being like average to even below average in some spots so yeah, he, he's huge. They need him to get back to that level again.
3: And um, last year they drafted this guy, Dylan Razone. Um, you know, he really didn't play that much last year. He only played in 124 snaps last season. So, I mean, like, it's a very small sample size. And because of that, he was only ranked 112th. But if he does project out like he was, I mean, maybe they have something with him. A little so a upside of- in the line, maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of questions up front. Um, and which leads us to Derrick Henry. Like at some point
0: it's gonna it's gonna catch up to
3: him, right? Jones fat a Jones injury, which is basically you got a screw in your foot. You're like literally walking around with a screw in your foot. There has to be a time when that catches up to you. And I hate saying that. I mean, just to put it in perspective, this is gonna blow your absolute mind. Jonathan Taylor last year 85 carries in the red zone. The next the next most was Austin Eckler, 46. Derrick Henry only played eight games. In those eight games, do you care to take a guess how many carries inside the red zone Derrick Henry had? 12. 32. 32. He had more carries Holy. than Nige Harris, Javante Williams, um, James Robinson got hurt. Um, You know, it's just 32. Like, it's just he had the same amount as Aaron Jones, three less than Ezekiel Elliott, which is when you just kind of think about it, it's absolutely mind boggling how much they use him. And I'm here looking at his over under his his over under for TDs is 12 and a half. Cause he is such a vital part of the reds of the red zone offense. I wouldn't be interested in betting that, but 1400 and a half rushing yards.
0: I know. Cause you I just, you, you don't like betting on injuries, but when you have these running backs that have this many miles as
3: they do, it's hard not to. Or maybe they just don't use him as much between he, like, between the twenties, 1300 yards. Yeah. Right. 1200 right. yards is near under. I mean, so I kind I, I I that in terms of the Titans, that's kind of like the one future that So they they faced the second highest stacked box rate last year.
0: Mm-hmm. You think that people and and that was with AJ Brown and Jones in some games. You think that people are gonna stack the box even more now with the wide receivers that they have that are not really as proven and Robert Woods coming off an injury?
3: And the big thing like the guy I know is telling me how bad Burke is and how he showed up out of shape and he couldn't pass his physical. Traylon sludge. Burks. Yeah. So and so you
0: you need him to be productive. If he's not even the type of guy who can get on the field, now you're really in trouble. And unfortunately, I think their schedule is is kind of tough. And in the last two years, they are 13 and four in one score games. Do you think that's the kind of thing that can, you can sustain? Absolutely not. There's no way that's going to flip back the other way. We saw what happened last year. As soon as they got in the playoffs, when things slow down, right? They were a home team. They, they couldn't beat a bad Bengals, not a bad, but a Bengals team that was unproven. It wasn't like the Bengals were some juggernaut last year. And yeah, I don't, it's another situation where I don't really love them. I like looking at their schedule. So they start, they play home against the giants. Let's say they beat the no, giants. I,
3: right, I hate to interrupt you. You're talking. It's fine. Oh, go ahead. It's interesting stat. So last year when leading, okay. NFL average of running the ball was a little like fit, like 51.1, like percentage points. Titans 55% of the time they ran while lead, while running. Okay. Titans when trailing, no, sorry, when tied, it was about 48%. So basically, like, my point of saying this is, like, even when tied, they were running the ball as much as people were when they were leading. When they were trailing, they were running the ball as much as when people were tied. Other teams in the NFL yeah. were tied. I mean, they just... They
0: just run, run, run. Run, run,
3: run. And it's just... I don't and know. They, I last
0: year, they had a couple... They actually had a couple decent backups when, uh, like Foreman, right? It was Foreman, and they had they had a couple fine backs when when um, when Henry got hurt. They were still running the ball pretty well. They don't really have good depth in the backfield this year. They they really don't. And I like I could see this team being, you know, nine and eight, eight and nine type team. Now they're. Bayard and hook and hooker are awesome safeties. They're two of the best in the league. They're really, really good there. They're absolutely worth mentioning. Um, I think rookie Hassan Haskins might be their number two back. And I don't really know. Like, they're fine. Jeffrey Simmons is fine. Jeffrey in,
3: Simmons is a beast.
0: You know, like, no, no, he's a stud offensive line and they, uh, defensive line inside defensive line. So you put him with Autry, Dupree, Landry. I think Pro Football Focus has them tenth. They, they said they're not quite. They don't rank them as high as maybe, maybe even their worth. So that's a that's a strong part. And so for them, their defense now up front and in the back is a little bit better. It's just a, it's a funny team because they're different. They look a little bit different than they did a few years ago. They're sort of changing what their strengths are. Like you said, Dupree and some of their secondary, Simmons. Some of their secondary um, are strengths for them. What
3: do you have them? What's what do you have them as their number? This was the hardest one. I have everything goes right, the max they win is ten. Yeah, wheels fall out. LaJuan gets hurt. Interior offensive line struggles. Five. See, yeah. So I could like weeks, weeks two good. through six. Let's
0: say they win week one. They play the Giants. Then they go at Buffalo. That's a loss. They come home and they play the Raiders.
3: Like, see, I'm not. I'm like really not that high on the Raiders. Me neither. So let's say that's a win
0: for Titan. The Titans, even so, they're two and one. Then they go at Indy, probably Indy there at Washington. I mean, probably Washington. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's either or. So they're they're three and two or two and three. Yeah. You know, coming out going into the bye, then out of the bye. Uh, Indy Houston.
3: is an OG
0: off the buy. Why? Like off the just, buy.
3: just the OG um,
0: home against Indy at Houston. But then, you know, you go at Houston at Kansas city home for Denver at green Bay, Cincinnati, Philly. Like those are all losable games. They could lose three games in a row right there to at green Bay home for Cincy at Philly.
3: And Jacksonville is going to get better as, <laughs> excuse me, the year progresses. You got to so. go
0: at the chargers. You have a game against Dallas, and like you said, the end of the year at Jacksonville. Yeah, I got them at 9
3: and 8. Yeah, I have them 10 and 7. Something to remember is I like using the Pythagorean theorem, Pythagorean win total. Um, They won 12 last year. Their Pythagorean win total was 10.33. So that means they vastly overachieved. When Generally, when a team overachieves by one or more, they're going to trend back and underachieve and go under their win total. I would lean under here, but part of me thinks we're kind of seeing it where Rabel's like.
0: He keeps him. He has a, a like, level, like, like a base. Yeah. Yeah. Like he,
3: it's, it's just kind of like he gets it. You know what yeah, I
0: mean? He, like, he's good. He's going to be bet. He's his base level is better than so many other bad coaches. Yeah. Like he's going to beat a lot of other inferior coaches and, and outsmart them and out scheme them to to usually keep Tennessee pretty competitive. Like I don't and that's what keeps me leaning more towards 500. Yeah. Even if things go poorly for them, maybe they're like 8 and 9 or they're like a game or two under 500 because yeah, like the Colts aren't overwhelming and the next two teams that we talk about, they're not like terrifying or anything. They're they're getting a little bit better, but the
3: Titans any
0: other uh last thoughts on the on the Titans?
3: I would lean under and I would bet the Titans. I mean, like I have two bets in this division and one of them is Derek Henry under 1400 and a half yards. We move to the Jags. No more herb. We had some fun with uh with herb
0: last year, but the Jags will have a big year coming up now for Trevor Lawrence, who was not very impressive last year, but couldn't have been a worse spot for him having to deal with that kind of coaching. Over-under for the Jags is six and a half. That's plus 115. So the under is minus 135 at six and a half wins. The Jags, some question marks with the running backs. Travis Etienne, who missed the whole year last year, probably will be okay. Uh, James Robinson trying to come back from his injury. They don't have like a stud wide receiver, but their overall wide receiver room is better. I think bringing in Christian Kirk, Bringing in Zay Jones, you have Marvin Jones. You bring in Evan Ingram, who's been really disappointing, but you have a lot of guys who are at least sort of proven. None of them are number ones, but they're like a bunch of number threes <laughs> that are all sort of out there. Uh, they they and they have a little bit of talent on the on the defensive side. There are some things that we would see with them last year that you could you know you can make some positive cases for them. What do you think about the Jags
3: this year, and, uh, and Lawrence? Oh, just to prove how bad urban meyer was so the jags last year were ninth ninth in the whole nfl in rushing yards per attempt guess where they finished in rushing attempts
0: 20
3: 20th 30th they had the third fewest like, you're you n- not just you are- the ninth most yards per rushing attempt And you are only running the ball at the third lowest rate. Makes absolute zero sense to me. This was the
0: guy who said they wanted
3: to run for 250 and pass for 250. Remember? And, oh, yeah. You saw it with, um, you know, Lawrence. It's going to be interesting to see here because, like, Lawrence's first year was a complete waste. Um, You could tell that inside the 20. He would look to one person, wasn't there. He just run the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see what Lawrence gets from coaching. But the question is, is this the right coach? Is this going to be the Peterson that uh, went sky in a second year? Or is it going to be the Peterson that completely sandbagged that game in Sunday Night Football where he pulled Jalen Hurts because he wanted to see what yep. his backup got? So I'm not really that high on Peterson. But, you know, Lawrence... It's, will- it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade, right? He's not
0: great, but he's, anything's going
3: to be better than what they had last year. Oh, anything will be. And you mentioned Evan Ingram. Okay. You sitting down for what I'm about to tell you.
0: Yes.
3: (laughs) Every year, the lead tight end has had over 100 targets in the Doug Peterson system. The only time they didn't was due to injuries. If we take that season out, the lead tight end in Peterson's system has averaged 122 targets, 86 receptions, and six touchdowns per game. Okay. I'm not saying Ingram's gonna be the highest scoring fantasy football tight end. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is he could easily be this year's Dalton Schultz. Getting so, a lot of opportunities of 278 last season. And per fantasy pros, he finished as the third highest scoring tight end. I Ingram's gonna without what Peterson likes to do, eaters, sorry. Ingram's going to get an insane amount of targets. He could easily finish the year as a top five fantasy football tight end, and right now he's going off the board in round twelve. I mean, he's definitely worth like a flyer. A flyer. Absolutely. Um, you know, you talked about the wide receiver room. I, I kind of like Zay Jones as a deep for threat, a field structure. I think Kurt's going to work a little bit more of that underneath. Uh, the Possessions. Offense. Yeah, the offense they're in, they're implementing. It's going to be. Exactly like what Lawrence ran in um, Clemson. A lot of RPO, a lot of swinging it out to the running back in the backfield. Uh, so that means Eddie Etienne, if he does look good off the injury, you know, he could be in line for a season. I feel bad for James Robinson, you know, towards Achilles tendon. So it's running backs first year back, often Achilles tendon, often struggle. So I wouldn't really do anything with him. Uh, they brought back Cam Robinson, which was big. They are replacing their sender center Lindor. Who's one of the top three centers in the league. in my, my eyes, they signed Brendan Scarra from the commanders. God, it sounds really weird to say the commanders. Um, my worry with him though, is I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy. If he can't stay healthy, that's a legit concern back four on the defense is an absolute nightmare. The front seven has legit talent. Um, Their defensive coordinator, they made it very interesting hire with their defensive coordinator. Um, Their defensive coordinator, they brought in Mike Caldwell, who's a disciple of Todd Bowles. So he's going to look to create a lot more pressure. Um, You know, they drafted the kid Walker. They had Fageas on defense, which is going to prove the pass rush. They drafted the kid Lloyd from Utah, which is going to um, help the linebacker crew. Also, I forgot to mention one more thing about Evan Ingram. Guess how many tight ends last year averaged over 10 fantasy points per game?
0: Four, five?
3: Two. Two. When Peterson has been calling plays, all his tight ends have averaged at least 10 fantasy points per game.
0: Look at some I Good mean, stats about I, Evan
3: Ingram. And it's
0: not going to be like you're investing a high pick with him. Like you said, this is like a flyer on yeah. someone
3: low risk, high reward. You know what I mean? Like you're taking a swing for the fences. So we, uh, I get their, like their schedule a little bit, Eric, cause we,
0: you know, that's the, the tough part for a team like the Jags and the Houston Texans that we're going to talk about is that for that, these type of teams, it's all about the spots, right? Because they're not going to be very many games where you look at and you're going to say, "Oh, they're favored on paper," but for them, it's going to be about catching teams on the right spots, the right weeks, back to backs. Teams maybe overlooking them matchups right off the bat. Weeks one through four are not easy because they're on the road. Three out of four games to start. So I for a young, you know, to start, yeah, for a young team, I mean, you could very easily be zero and four. Not not easy at all.
3: We uh, then they get then they get Houston at home. I think. I think they're going to be able to get that game. Um, this team is young. Um, anytime they play, how can I word it? I think it's going to take them a little time to get everything going in the right direction. Yes. Um, so after the
0: buy, I could see them stringing. I could see them picking up maybe two to three wins post-buy, two to three wins pre-buy.
3: That's yeah. kind of how I'm looking I, at their I season. Ever- I Stealing at six.
0: Me too. Five or six. I've got them six and 11, probably five and 12.
3: I have ceiling six floor three, three. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, they could be that bad. I think they have opportunities to win. Maybe the home game against the giants. They, uh, you know, they have a home game against the Raiders. They also have, uh, a game against um, at, you know at the lions maybe winnable that won't be easy though like we said the lions might be a little bit better and then games against the jets and houston the uh the jags at 6 and 11 hold on one second i'm gonna... i mean they're getting the, they're
3: getting the ravens at a good spot the ravens have the broncos coming out there's just certain times you know they just kind of are getting them at a good spot um when you look at Dallas's schedule, when they play Dallas, they have Dallas at a, at a pretty good spot too. Um, and God only knows at the end of the season, like what, what is Tennessee going to be? Is Tennessee going to be there? Are they going to be resting people that last week is always a little bit. This division is tricky, man, because like always a little bit hit or miss. Um, so yeah, I don't, that's why, that's why I'm saying like ceiling six floor, you know, floor three so I mean it's really gonna be hit or miss but I think this is a team like as the season progresses yes team that we want to look to start to get play in
0: spots for sure at the end of the year too I think and we should be able to start seeing some progression because it's hard for Lawrence like it's so hard to take anything out of last year for him like this may be like a rookie year for him again you know and we should we may not see a whole lot of of good play from him early in the year, but we maybe will see some rapid acceleration towards the end of the year with actually a legitimate coach. Like I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I don't know how great Peterson is, but he's at least a coach, you know, who's going to give this guy, he's not going to put him in a position to fail. Like what was happening last year. Like we were saying, this team's got an incredible running game and you're just having your poor young quarterback throw the ball all the time. Yeah. you 30th and rushing attempts. You're putting all this pressure on the kid when you actually have a good running game. Yep. That was just like, you can't do that to to put your players in position to fail like that. Yep. Yep. Let's get to uh, anything else before we want to get to Houston.
3: No, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk some Houston. Davis
0: Mills, your boy. We'll finish up the AFC South with uh, that beautiful long neck. Now, The Texans over under is four and a half, which is right about even money at minus 110 right now. The Texans have uh Davis Mills as their quarterback. John Mechie, one of the receivers. They have a couple talented pieces on the defensive side. The secondary has a really high upside, and they do have some some solid ed rushers. So you could see their defense being capable enough to keep them in some games, but Offensively, they they just don't have a whole like a lot of playmakers and stuff. That's what's disappointing for them. And they they're in a good division. Meaning, f- f- for them to at least not be a two win team, they can steal some games in this division because the best teams in in the division aren't incredible. But like, where, where do you see their first? Like, you think they win right away? If they don't win that first week, then we're looking at maybe. A while before they win.
3: I mean, here's the thing with them. And like their offensive coordinator is Pep Hamilton. And they have Lovey Smith as their um as their coach. So this is going to be old school, control the clock, run the football, you know, limit the possessions, let our defense win the game. So you just kind of look at their offensive line. Their offensive line, I'll tell you what, their offensive line isn't as bad as people realize um, to, Tucson was out last year with an injury with him being out um, that meant Titus Howard shifted over out of position to play left tackle and he did a very serviceable job so he's going to go back to his position to ran to to man the right tackle they brought in AJ can to um, to be the right guard. They got um, Kenyon Green, who Green I and, had and as Ken. the best, um, the best um, run blocker. So this left side with K- Tassell and Green is going to be legit. So I mean, you know, I-
0: they're actually projecting. Not to try to interrupt, but they're not projected like thirtieth or twenty eighth by Pro Football Focus. They're projected twenty second, which is improvement from last year. As being one of like the bottom five type teams,
3: it shouldn't be a huge weakness for them oh not at all and then you look at it so and i mean you mentioned davis mills and i don't mean to sound like a homer okay but you know he only played 13 games okay S- completion percentage 67 percent. through for 2664 yards 16 tds only 10 ints you know what that's that's a decent season for a rookie that came in pretty lowly, lonely regarded. I mean, and their staff, like yeah. David
0: Coley did a good job with their team. Meaning, you know, it, they didn't have a whole lot of talent, but when you watch it, it's not like he was some creative offensive coach, right. Or not a guy that was some g- offensive guru. I, he was very impressive dealing with, a bad situation too. He wasn't like, it wasn't like compare what he was dealing with, with what Lawrence was dealing with. Like, are you telling me Davis Mills was in a much better situation? The guy had to worry about all year long. You're playing. Nobody knows what's going on with Watson, the franchise quarterback. Everybody's hearing all this stuff. Nobody really cares about you. Everyone keeps asking about what's going to happen with Watson. Are you going to trade Watson? What's going on here? This kid actually played pretty well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think he played great. I mean, you look at the stats, you can make an argument. He was the best rookie quarterback he last year. Best, he was legitimately the best rookie quarterback. Um, you know, as I mentioned, they, they brought in Pep Hamilton. This is going to be a, a run first offense. Um, you know, very slow in pace of play. Uh, you know, points scored. You know, they're going to be around that 20 points per game scored. Low in the pace of play. Run the ball an insane amount. Um, they are implementing though a stat. This is going to be like the Stanford Cardinals offense, what Mills is very comfortable running when he ran it in college. Uh Lovey Smith, you know, defensive minded coach, he's coming in. The one thing about Lovey Smith is he only blitzed 20% of the time last season, one of the lowest in the league. Lovey Smith likes to bring it. So, I expect, you know, with the draft pick of Christian Harris from Bama, slot signing Jerry Hughes from the Bills, they're going to be looking to create a lot more pressure to take some pressure off this young secondary. I think the secondary is going to be the secondary that gets better as time progresses. And the one thing Lovey Smith has showed us is everywhere he goes, he always has subpar talent and he always gets the talent to open. absolutely.
0: Absolutely. He, he may not be, and I think it was the, and in the same with, with the guy last year, Cully, who I don't think did a bad job. Lovey Smith's a better coach than him though. Obviously Lovey might not be the best football coach in the league, but Lovey is, is always going to be able to overachieve with the right type of teams. This is a good team for Lovey to get these guys to believe, to, to have them learn how to do things the right way. And he's not maybe creative Andy Reed guy, you know, someone like that who might be the best offensive type, but he's a solid football coach. And I agree with you. Their secondary has some upside, right? They've got, you know, uh, Petre Stewart Jr. who are highly uh, like projected, Stingley Jr. who can make some plays. The edge rushers are good. Um, you know, they have high ceilings with the edge rushers there too. I think this is a feisty team that I'm going to play in some spots. the The problem is too, for them, it's just one of those things that you look at and so let let's say you got them winning game one.
3: So I took the over. I mean I at four I, and a half. I think they're five and twelve. I see I have them at six wins. Best case scenario, they can win seven. You mentioned Yeah, I go five to seven is what my range was. You just kind of sit back and say, okay, you have a good, I'll make the argument that Lovey Smith is the best defensive mind in the conference. Just not in the conference in the division of the four teams,
0: yeah. In the, in the division, exactly. Yeah, him and Vrabel. It's him or Vrabel, and I don't even know
3: if Vrabel's um, like defensive, Vrabel he doesn't really, he's not really play. a defensive yeah. guy as much. And yeah, and then we kind of sit back. Okay, the Titans they have offensive line issues. What is Taylor line going to be? What is their two guards going to be bringing in? You look at the Colts, they lost two starters, one of their guys is switching positions. Quentin Nelson is always hurt. You look at the Jaguars. They lost arguably a top three center in the league, and they signed a guy who has an injury history. So you could be playing three teams multiple times that have a whole lot of issues. So, you know, they're they're there. They have an elite pass catcher and Brandon Cooks. Cooks had a 26% target share last year, and no one seems to be all I hear people talking about is Devontae Adams switching, you know what I mean? Switching quarterbacks. And coordinators, uh, Tyree Hill, Debo Samuels. You know, I'll take Brandon Cooks at 26% target share in the third round. Absolutely no problem at all. He's being really undervalued. Um, You know, you mentioned the schedule. Week three, they're getting the Bears right after the Packers game and the Bears on a short week. That's a great spot. Week eight, they're getting the Titans sandwiched in between the Colts and the Chiefs. I mean, there's just a lot of little spots like this on their schedule that it lines up where they can win. This team beat the Chargers last year. They should have beat the Patriots last year. I think with Smith there, I think this team easily could win six games. I have them over four and a half at plus money.
0: Yeah, I'm going to play them in a lot of games to cover. My only concern is that if they don't win that first week, then we're at Denver. We're at Chicago. Can they maybe win the Bears game? Maybe. maybe. Like, I don't think the Bears are good. I'm gonna,
3: Bears are going to be really bad.
0: There. So okay. So yeah. So like, I don't think the Bears are going to be that good. So maybe, but any road game for Houston is probably going to be pretty tough, right? Anywhere. Like for them, like it's, it's. So,
3: I mean, they could be anywhere from three and three. No, they could have, they could be three and two, one and four. You know, two and three going into their buy.
0: Yeah, and and that's key. As long as they've got one win at least, because they can win, they can beat Jacksonville on the road. Sure, right? They can go win that road game. Because then after the buy is where I get a little bit concerned. If they get one or two wins before, I think are over is going to be fine, because they'll still be able to sneak in a couple more wins at the end. But
3: I mean, I, they play. I, they have the great sandwich spot in Tennessee. They have Philly at home. And we've seen, like, how these home teams, like, the road teams struggle on the road on the Thursday night games. They get extended rest playing the Giants. Giants are a big question mark. We don't know what we get. We don't know what we're going to get with the Commanders. Um, We don't know what we're going to get with Miami. Cleveland, I mean, the only only problem is they're going to be
0: underdogs, though, in all those games.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And Cleveland just signed Josh Rosen, so that tends to...
0: They they're nervous, right?
3: That, that Watson's gonna be suspended. Which,
0: isn't it funny? Like, you know who Cleveland could use right now? Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. Like it's so isn't it so funny? Like, just it's just hilarious how they, they shit the bed on that whole thing, like Baker or not. He may not be the guy to be your franchise guy, but they'd be in a lot better situation right now with a guy who knew the offense, who was comfortable with everything. And they like we we went through their schedule a couple weeks ago, they could have very easily started three and one or four and oh, um, this is going to be a fun team to play in some spots because like we say at the end, once you hit my, so there's just a lot of teams in the middle right there. Like the Raiders, Tennessee, Philly at the giants home for Washington at Miami home for Cleveland. Every one of those games. If you told me they lost, I'm not any game, all of them in a row. I wouldn't be surprised if you told me they won any one of those games. I wouldn't be surprised though. They're not, nobody there is terrifying. It's not as if they've got, you know, um, Kansas city and you know, the chargers over and over right there in that during that stretch, those, those teams are spread out a little bit and they catch both Kansas city and the chargers at home. They end with Tennessee Jacksonville Indy. Yeah. I'd lean over. I, I had them between five and seven. I think they go five and twelve, and I'll probably play a lot of their spots week to week. Your boy Davis Mills. We'll see if and they can we, be
3: feisty. Get ready for that juicy on fourth and inches Texans Lions money line parlay. I'm going to be giving out. I can't wait for Week One. Oh, actually, it's going to be a three teamer. It's going to be the Falcons, Lions, Texans.
0: That's a little bit of a tease for less than two months now. Yeah, we're only about six weeks away now from uh, NFL Week One. Eric, you and I recording this on uh, Thursday night. What do you have coming up this week with uh, some of your content and, uh, and the stuff that you've got going on?
3: Um, I got my podcast coming out. Uh, it'll be coming out later tonight. Um, some NASCAR, some CFL stuff and some NBA talking that little crazy day in the NBA, the last couple of days. Um, and then on Tuesday, Jim and I are going to be for BTV previewing the ACC conference I'm going to be on the – Tuesday's is a, turning out to be a big day for me. I'm going to be on the uh, Dresses and Salt Pretzels live stream. And then I have my live show on YouTube and Twitch coming out. And that is – my boy Brandon is going to be on that. We're going to be previewing the AFC – no, sorry, the – yeah, the AFC East. You're going to give out a horse bet of the day. I'll be talking about a running back you don't want to draft, which is getting too much love. Wednesday, Spring Fever with Jim and I, and then uh, starts all over again. Next week over. starts all over the grind.
0: It, never. It never ends. You're going to get great content from every uh, sport on every show that Eric's on. You'll always know he's going to come prepared. He's going to come ready. He wants to help you make some money out there. Uh, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, next. So what do we go next week? We finish up the AFC, right? We go to uh, AFC West.
3: Yeah, and one of the teams made the best coaching hire that nobody is talking about.
0: Okay, another little teaser there. You're, uh, you're getting, you're really learning each and every week. We're getting these you know, teasers
3: I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm learning on the teas. I'm,
0: Beautiful I'm, stuff from Eric. Make sure to give him a follow. Check out all the stuff he's got coming up this week. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again, folks. We'll, uh, we'll head on over and we'll talk some AFC West next week. But don't go anywhere. We've still got a lot more to come on this episode. That's what G said. Thank you to Eric for helping us out. We'll move along to the AFC West next week and continue on with our NFL team-by-team previews. We finish up this episode with Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We dive into everything happening in the world of WWE on the road to SummerSlam. We talk about the current projected card. Then we get into NXT. We finish up with AEW on Wrestling with Chad Cooper.
3: Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, come down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only
4: Chad. Cooley.
0: Time for this week in wrestling with Koobaloo, Chad Coop As he joins us, Chad Cooper is wrapped in barbed wire as he does the podcast <laughs> this, this week, Coop, because everything was wrapped in barbed wire this week on AEW. We'll uh, we'll get to AEW. We'll poke some fun at them, but don't worry. We'll poke some fun at WWE along the way there. As uh, we get set for SummerSlam, we're only, what, a week? About, like, just over uh-huh. a week away? A week week away and
4: it seems like that man, it's just I don't know. It just seems weird. I'm used I'm does. used to a big, long, good storyline feel to it, and we're not getting that here. It seems like we're really rushing into this. Bo- and-
0: Both companies are in, in a in a weird place where right that right now where it seems like there've been a lot of shows on top of each other. And so everything seems like it's like a retread not a whole lot of stuff feels really new and really fresh in WWE and with AEW, what we've been seeing recently. So let's sort of, uh, instead of we'll we'll still hit on a lot of stuff that happened throughout Raw and Smackdown, but this week, let's just kind of go through what we have set up for SummerSlam right now. We'll run through the card and we'll talk about maybe some things that, that might be added. But so far we've got eight matches listed on SummerSlam's card. Let's start with some of the things that are on the, uh, uh, on the SmackDown side. So Liv Morgan, Ronda Rousey. Okay. Some positives. They didn't have live lose in the match that we thought was like made for her to lose last week. Amen, brother. Right. Amen. We, we just, were,
4: we for sure. This was, this was a, she was going to lose and or triple threat was going to get added to this.
0: It felt so much like that. And just watching the match, but that's great. It's a, it's a small thing. It's not a big thing, but it's just a win that she needs to make her feel more credible along the way. I like that for Liv. And what do you think? What do you get the feel they're going to do with this here? Is, are we going to get Liv getting a clean win? Does Ronda win this thing right back? I, I, I feel like you and I are sort of in the same boat here with just what we were thinking with with Natty. If you have Ronda win this thing right back from her, how much does it do, or how much did it do for Liv?
4: Not much because she didn't have much with the title. Um, no. She has put into shows after winning it. Uh, I, I, it's hard to get a feel. Unfortunately for me right now, it, it's just been a little odd to get a feel for Liv as your champion. Didn't didn't like right after the pay per view. I I could be mistaken, but wasn't she on Raw with the titles? Yep. Yeah, uh, with title, and I think she teamed with Bianca maybe, or mm-hmm. she had in ring promo. Maybe it was the following week. I can't get a I can't get a feel on this right now. I, I, I was completely wrong last Friday. I thought for sure Natty was gonna get involved and I, I'm still sticking to this is not gonna be a clean pin for, for Liv if she goes over Rhonda. I, yeah. I, I think Natalie gets involved, uh Natalia gets involved. I, I just don't know. And it, on the flip side, if Rhonda wins, uh where I mean Charlotte is due back here pretty soon and if if you've noticed she's become more active on social media. Yes. Now I'm not yeah. I'm not I'm not leading this into Charlotte comes out and does something at SummerSlam which I mean I'll put it put it past WWE to do it but she's she's been quiet for a while and then here over the last week or so I've seen her comment and it's not character comment. I've just seen her more active on social media. So if Ronda does win it, we go straight back to that, you know, Ronda Charlotte, but I don't know what it does. I, I, it, des- it destroys Liv Morgan if she wins the
0: title. She doesn't and, and unfortunately, this version of Ronda hasn't been as good as they wanted or planned. Ronda oh, Ronda the first time through when Ronda came initially to WWF WWE she could be a baby face she could be the badass baby face right now it's sort of like we've seen this we've done this she's not great at cutting these promos she's miscast in this role she needs to be a heel and you you maybe you need to send her away for a little while maybe she snaps and she you know she gets suspended and then she comes back and she can be a little bit different but I just don't think it's worked as well you have more, I feel like, with Liv and what the prospect of a Liv Morgan could be for years to come. It, her beating Rhonda, even if it's not, she doesn't have to make Rhonda tap out or anything. She could beat Rhonda again in a good match, in a roll up, in a win where it's not, she wins clean, but it's not like she knocks ronda out it's fine right we don't have to believe that she's going to completely put ronda completely tko her but could live morgan beat ronda in a wrestling match sure why not i i could believe that i think live live charlotte feels fun you can have charlotte as the heel you know live as the baby face even if you go the title back and forth with those two i could see like that that just feels a little bit more like i think you could do with them let's Let's hopefully they keep they keep it on uh, on live right now. Is
4: yeah, uh, I, and and I know we have a week. I know we have a week left, and we'll dive more into this match. I, you know, someone brought this uh, to my attention, um, and probably thousands others. I, I, I can't remember who tweeted this, but do you think Liv would have been better off winning the Raw Women's Championship um, instead of the SmackDown Championship? That's a good point. I know it was probably bet easier to get it off Ronda this way than opposed to Bianca and them going to. But it just seems like, man, when you think Liv, she's been on Raw a while. And I know that's weird to say that it doesn't, you know, translate into something. But as of
0: right now, I'm just. It's just a weird pairing. The the Liv-Ronda sort of, is just sort of, it just sort of came out of nowhere. You, she hasn't gone full yet. And we expected that from her. You're, you know? It feels like it may have, it maybe was supposed to. Have been Rhea beating Bianca, and then maybe lit, and then oh, okay. maybe Liv cashing in on Rhea.
4: I I, right? I, I, I totally could have seen because see that. that
0: would have made sense, and then you could have had kind of a fun trio of Bianca, Liv, and Rhea moving forward. That would have felt very fresh with those three.
4: Because right now on the on the Raw side, I, I'm in a a massive Becky Lynch fan,
0: and her yeah, and Bianca. Not it's, doing it for me, man, and it just feels it feels, and, and this is again with it with all of the baby faces, right? Every time a baby face wins the title, they become really stale, really boring. Hopefully, they can figure it out a little bit. Bianca's at, going to at least be in an interesting match and in another match that could steal the show and in a fun story with Becky moving forward, but she's been kind of floating around doing stuff with Carmella where I don't think anybody really thought she was going to lose. So yeah, we could, let's talk a little bit about that one since it's it's on Raw anyways, but we're talking Bianca, uh, Becky. So that's going to be the Raw Women's Championship match. And this is so positives, negatives, negatives. Bianca has been in a weird space since, since WrestleMania because she won the title. Didn't have a whole lot for her. Did the weird stuff with like Sonia, Carmella, nothing that really seemed all that great. And then she was supposed to do something with Rhea and Rhea got hurt. So partially their fault, partially some bad luck. I'm not going to blame it as much on Bianca, but she just hasn't been that interesting. And she's been kind of the same for a while. I think she maybe needs a shuffle in some way, shape or form, just like a t- something to change her, to tweak her character a little bit. You've got Becky who she keeps be, she's just wild right now. She's crazy <laughs> with her look. And, and what she's just down for everything. She's just the, her and Seth Rollins, somebody, I can't remember where I heard this. They said, I would love to hear Becky and Seth in character. I want to see them like sit down for dinner, you know, like the two of them at their home in their character right now, sit down and have dinner together. And yeah, Seth because is just I laughing.
1: I
4: saw it. I, yeah, I don't know if I sent it to you or not. Um, Becky and Kevin Owens about the moose. Uh, oh Kevin yeah. did with, on the after raw deal and Kevin Owens walks up and she's talking about vacations and moose and is it Mises? Is it moose? And it, it was fantastic. Um, my question on this match would be I, staying on the negative side of it. We've number one, we've kind of been there, but done that, but these two ladies will, will tear the house down. So n- not, not worried about the in-ring action. Who does this hurt and help more? If Bianca wins, you're put in that situation where, okay, Becky has lost again. Does it hurt Becky losing? Uh, Does it hurt Becky to win the title again? What do we do there? Because it just seems like we have all this talent on the yeah. women's side on Raw. But yet again, here's kind of Asuka and and uh, They're floundering Alexa. a
1: little
0: bit, right? What are you doing right now with the Asuka and Alex? Like we said, they're not on this. And that's a so great I'm- point.
4: So what happens if Bianca wins? Because Becky's not going to be the instant challenger. She, she maybe she goes away for a while. And so
0: yeah, let me give dead. you a, a little bit of a cop out. If, okay. okay. If Rhea Ripley is okay, I'm fine with with Bianca winning and just what you said. Becky going a little bit of a way away, maybe not even away, or like just continuing to break until she sort of comes full circle as a babyface, right? I, I'm- until she embraces the fans and maybe that's the moat that's the thing for Becky that she needs to get the title back or to, you know, for it to come full circle. She needs to be a good. And that way, if Rhea is coming back and Rhea is the one to take it off of Bianca and they have that as a direction to go, then I'm fine with that. If Rhea is not coming back, I think you got to go with Becky. I, I agree.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I Some, something, because it's and it's not bianca's fault it's the same thing we saw like with, with all of these baby faces this is the hangman page syndrome this was the big e syndrome this is yeah, what but, they but, do what challenge because because I, I I try to base the
4: winner as I try to pick a winner as okay where do we go from here and I'm not trying to jump past the match so quick and, and just say, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? But that's kind of how I look at the— No, you have to predict yeah, where's it gonna go. Back. Yeah. So if if Becky wins, or if Bianca wins, and Rhea is not, I, I mean, then we go to the next tier, which is Alexa, Asuka. I mean, I, I, who's got some weird In, stuff going on? Hell, Alexa Bliss was the twenty four seven champion for a matter for of
0: seconds. Second. She lost <laughs> that. I mean, I mean
1: what both are we doing? Win-
0: we don't have any women's tag team champions anymore on the main roster. We've got no one of them on the on the women's roster throwing it in the trash like uh <laughs> like she's Alondra Blaze, Good point. you know. Good yeah. Point. So, it is a little strange and you're right. They have a lot of talent that they don't they they're not doing that great of a job with right now and and they could be doing a lot better with.
4: Because um, if you look at SummerSlam, Slam Card Gino, you, know, you have five title matches right now of five of eight what what is what is the over under of those five changing hands i i'm i'm can't wait to see the the odds next week at this time to see what the betting odds are because i you know we could be this could be a pay-per-view where nothing changes hands uh it could be a pay-per-view where they all change hands i don't know so it's really intriguing what happens here and we we still have a you know two smackdowns and we have a raw i'm not expecting much next Friday, you know, because we'll we'll be the night before. But it just seems like, man, we're throwing a lot together, and these There's, two women's matches here, and we've bragged on these women for that's been one of the big, big, strong points for WWE for quite some time. The talent is there, but the not just the booking, but it just seems like the storytelling's been very, very weak with all these big names and, and yep, great.
0: And, completely agree. They only have two women's matches scheduled, and they're both singles, right? So yeah, between now weird. and then they're going to have to at least have some sort of battle Royal or five on five tag match, which is a bummer because it's like you said, Oscar Alexa bliss don't have anything for, for the women like Charlotte, who's not been around. That's fine. You know, you'll have a sh- stories for Charlotte when she returns moving forward, you'll have Rhea when she gets back from injury, but you, you should be able to have another storyline for Oscar and Alexa bliss. There should be enough for the women's tag t- tag team titles. You have women on the, the SmackDown side, like Raquel, like Lacey, like Shotzi that you've been trying to get built up for a while that you could absolutely have places for. So yeah, they're it's, it's a little bit lazy right now. You know, and, a bit- and you only have
4: three, three big events left for the, on the calendar year for WWE. You have the clash at the castle, Which is Labor Day weekend, I I think in September. Then you have Extreme Rules, which we know it's really not all that extreme. That pay per views in October, and then uh, Thanksgiving weekend we have Survivor Series, which you know, which we love Survivor Series, but we really only get like one or two Survivor Series type matches. So you got to think if now's the time to change some hands. I I don't think we're waiting till January for uh, Royal Rumble uh, to start doing things because then we're already back to the, to the March to WrestleMania. But nonetheless, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a kind of a weird situation with the women, which I've bragged on Mm -hmm. all of them. And it's not them. It's, uh, the booking and you nailed it, uh, you know, last year, the year before this, we talk about champions winning that championship title. We're not saying it's the easy part, but getting it and running with it, um, winning that thing, getting your hand raised, uh, uh, man, it's so hard to in, in baby faces. I don't know what it is with baby faces and titles here lately with any wrestling organization, not just WWE. So, weird position to be in. I, I have no idea which way e- either one of those matches are going, and I wish I did.
0: We have a couple rematches from Money in the Bank Bobby Lashley versus Theory for the U.S. title, Usos versus Street Profits. So, Lashley Theory weird with this one because theory's got so many moving pieces right now theory's got like ziggler's starting to come in the mix (laughs) which is sort of bizarre theory was challenging cena he's talking trash to brock and to roman he's got the money in the bank i actually like it with theory that there's so much going on because he's the guy with the briefcase it is kind of cool to have a million things happening it makes the the u.s title match a little more intriguing because I really don't know um and kind of curious what do you think is going to happen with Lashley Theory uh in the next you know week or two into SummerSlam
4: we've we've talked about it for the last several uh weeks um man they they're pushing theory like no tomorrow um and I like when the money in the bank briefcase guy Um, Or Gal is involved in so many. Yeah, he's going to be involved with with the the champions, uh, you know, teasing the run-ins and stuff. Um, I I would not be surprised if he loses to Lashley and he cashes in. um, We still
0: wish we could find out if there was some way where he could. Yeah, and we still haven't got that
4: clarification. And if we don't, it's really going to suck.
0: If you know? he could somehow come away with one of those titles, I would be so into it, and I would be sure especially the raw, especially that the he raw could one. come away with it and be one of the champs. I don't know if they're quite ready to say he's the undisputed champion yet and the guy on both brands. I don't no, know if they're because, quite well, there.
4: There's Ziggler's involved, and, and I love Ziggler, and they're trying to turn Ziggler into a, a face, I guess, which I'm all for. Uh, because we don't see the dirty dog, his, his buddy, Robert Roode, anymore. I, you know, what do we do with that? I, I just don't see him beating Bobby Lashley. I mean, didn't Theory lose uh, this past Monday night on Raw, the main event? I think he lost. Um, maybe he got rolled up. I can't remember. But I don't see Lashley losing. Lashley's been one of those guys since Cody's went down. Uh, they've kind of elevated him and this title up to be the guy on Monday nights. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I, I, I don't, I don't see Theory winning this title. Do I see him cashing it in? Uh, yeah, but there's just I, I'm with you. I, I, there's no way he runs out of there with two belts. If so, uh, God love WWE because let me tell you what that's a uh, that's that's. The, That's the big shoes to fill to, and got, put on this this young kid, but he's got a lot of heat on him. He's got a lot of the, heat.
0: They're going to do the gimmick where he loses all the time until he oh, wins the Money in the point. Bank because he got yeah. he got rolled up by AJ or he got beat by AJ and by Madcap by DQ yeah. by uh, count out and DQ over the last week. So he's going to be
4: super kicking, super yep. kicking.
0: So he's going to wow. have all these different people set up for when he wins the title along the way. So uh then we have I mean Uso Street Profits that thing stole the show. So what a bizarre choice. I mean there it's it's <laughs> na- it's Nashville. So with Jeff Jarrett in Nashville, spend my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. Little I
1: just,
0: look, number one, I know a lot of people don't like him.
4: I, I you know, I like his gimmick, you know, J E double F, J A double R E double T, you know, in the strut thing. I just, this thing kind of came out of nowhere with him so getting random and, and isn't he in the Ric Flair's last tag team match too or he, last he, match yes I think that's kind of what something?
0: they're they're sort of doing and he just attacked Flair the other day and like went at him and like a got him all bloodied up in a parking lot and stuff and this is this so is so this, yeah.
1: this,
4: this look this this has to be the passing of titles here right yeah. if the three prophets don't win this title these tag team titles right here.
0: Uh, it's it's in Nashville because that's why they're, they're gotta, be, that's why Jared's doing it, right? It's in Nashville. Yeah. And I think they he's have gonna, to be babyface win in yeah. Nashville, celebrating with Jared. Who Jared the, the, hand,
4: the red solo cups are in the air, um, which leads to, you know, uh, an interesting tone set with, you know, the storyline with Roman and, and, and Paul and, and the Usos. I just think the time is now for the street profits. Um, If they put on a hell of a match and the Usos retain uh, this, this I'll really be sour on it. I I, I have no problems with the Usos never have never will. They're incredible tag team and singles, but uh, it's now or never for the street profits. And if the street profits don't win, uh, Montez Ford and, and Angelo Dawkins better be feuding with each other or they better go solo because uh, th- this will be it for the Street Profits with a chance to win the titles. And then, you know, of course, when I say that, probably the week after they win the titles on Raw or SmackDown or something silly like that. But I, I think the time is now to to get the straps off the Usos.
0: There was a uh, an owner the other day at Louisiana that won a race. Um, the little owner's listed name was uh, Ter- Terrell Jarrett. And I did the Terrell J A Double R E Double T. I hope Love there it. was a, at least a few wrestling fans out there that 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 popped with me along the way. Hey, As, Freeport's
4: got a good history for wrestling. Sure. Fans.
0: Oh yeah. There's some I, I, I'll I'll crack some wrestling jokes out there and I'll get a few look, a few Twitter responses here and there. That, so
4: that that was the epic center the epicenter of uh mid south wrestling. They would take uh once a month. Uh, about eight hours a day at the Irish McNeil's Boys Club. It was a like a little gym with no AC. And, man, I, I it's about a three-hour trip from where I live. And we went many a times to see the Junkyard Dog and all those. But but Shreveport's got some wrestling history there. Okay, well, you've got
0: to make sure you uh, carve off right now um, j- September 10th. I will be uh, going to Louisiana Downs for the Super Derby. They're oh, just finding out right now, so they're, I'm going to be heading on over there. So you, you better, better make sure you you Rick drive Flutter on over
4: and an entrance song ready.
0: I will have one ready for you. <laughs> I will uh, I will have a spot. You come and hang out with me all yes. day, Koopa Loop. So do it. Uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be hanging out there in Louisiana. A couple other matches on the uh, SummerSlam card as we finish up with the WWE portion. We've got. Riddle versus Seth Rollins, one of those matches that could just steal the show, sort of like sure. a, like an unofficial number one contenders match. Whoever wins this should probably be up, you know, ready to battle for the title next coming out of some of the big shows.
4: Yeah, and, and it'll be an indication here of what happens probably in the main event, right? Uh, yeah, Seth Rollins goes over Riddle, I, I think we probably know where we're going maybe WrestleMania-wise. I know a lot of people keep saying, you know, yeah, fantasy booking. They want the Rock and Roman, but I, you have to have a lot of stars aligned for that to happen. Look how tough it is with Cena, and I think the Rock is, you know, twice as busy busy as Cena. But this match right here could still the show. But uh, I think the winner of it uh, will kind of tell you maybe how the main event's uh, going to shake out.
0: Yep, and then we, uh, <laughs> Logan versus the Miz, Logan Paul. So <laughs> I just don't they're... know what to do here. What are they doing with try? <laughs> Here, I mean, look, I, I, we we all, even people that don't like Logan Paul, all said the guy did a really good job coming in as as a wrestler. He had a good match. He took it seriously. But he's a heel. He's just an like an obviously natural heel. He plays a heel in his life. Why would he come into wrestling and not want to be continue to continue to be a heel, even against the Miz? People are not going to cheer him. We've been saying this over and over. He cut a promo on, and and his promo was fine. Like, it was, everything that he said was logical, too. He talked about, you know, I have a huge podcast, and I changed the way, but no one's going to cheer him for that stuff. No. He's not, it's not like a, ba- it's not like great baby face material. So, I'm sure these two will have a fine match. It's going to be backwards, though. They're going to, during the match, they're going to have to, like Miz is smart enough to to know. And he, I don't think Logan for as much as he's trying to want to be a baby face. I don't think he's going to be completely naive to where when they're out there at SummerSlam and he's getting booed, he'll, he will lean into it, I think, and start playing the heel and Miz can, Miz can flip it and, and know how to be a baby face for a match. You know, he can do that. And they just, they should have picked a different way of bringing him in. Because the two of them as a tag team was a way better, a way better idea for a little while, and then maybe you could have him break up, and maybe people would have gotten behind that after a little bit, but no one's going to cheer this guy right now. Didn't The Miz low-blow him at WrestleMania? Yeah, and people still don't care. And and people don't care.
4: now. and then... Uh, Champa's involved now, you know, in this. Uh, There's no Maurice. Which,
0: come on, Maurice. We need. I know we need Maurice. uh,
4: I I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe the reception will be better next weekend during the show. But New York. I don't know. I
0: don't don't know. (laughs) No, I don't think so. I I do like what they've been doing with McAfee and Corbin. It's cool that these guys Uh have known each other, right? This is going to be good. This makes me really. We've always liked Corbin a little bit. The. He, after he did the, the, like the, the lovable loser gimmick was fantastic. Then they turned him to happy Corbin, which wasn't great. This is good though. This is, and this is, it's a little bit real. I think him and McAfee are going to have a really fun match.
4: Yeah. And I said it last week. Um, You know, I was the first one to crap on theory and McAfee uh, during our WrestleMania uh, preview special. Um, and they just did phenomenal. And what McAfee is is able to do on the mic and in the ring is just <laughs> uh, kudos to that guy. And yeah, it, look, WWE has told they, uh, look, we, we, a lot that we crap on, uh, you and I, is how we're getting to this particular match. If you can tell us a, a, a pretty good story, we're going to buy the match. And I tell you this, they've, t- they've told a very good story. Um, McAfee it doesn't is, take it, a lot. It
0: no, doesn't far, take a ton.
4: They oh. put Corbin out there when Nakamura came out. He jumped up on the. Now <laughs> that table. was great. Hot for that. I, you talk about it. You know matches that steal the show. Uh You know this this thing right here. uh Good luck to whoever's following it. Freaking! I, I think these two are going to tear the house down.
0: Freaking McAfee was out a couple weeks ago after he Corbin beat him down with the neck brace at the <laughs> UFC event, sitting next to McMahon. <laughs> You know that's like a tiny little thing, but when they talk about this feud and show little clips, they sh- you see that, you know, yeah. like you see McAfee out there with a neck brace on, and it's just like a small thing, but it's it's great, really good stuff leading up to this one. I'm I'm excited for this, and um, yeah, and then Roman versus Brock, which I'm fine again. I know a lot of people are aren't happy to see this again and again and again. I never mind these two guys; they feel like big stars. You you have no Randy right now. You have Cody who may have been another person you could have gone to right now. Neither of them are around. So you go back to Brock, you bring someone in who can either lose to Roman, or if you want to do something weird with the uh, money in the bank, he can beat Roman fine. Losing to Brock doesn't make Roman look weird or weak. And then you can transfer the belt over and, and really shake things up and change things a little bit if you want. So I I don't have a problem with this at all. And the match will be fine. And with the addition of the money in the bank and theory and all that stuff, it it adds enough intrigue into it where I don't really know exactly what's just going to happen at the end of the night.
4: Okay. Let me ask you this. Uh, This is the main event. Um, Would you be disappointed if theory does not. uh, I think we get him to an attempt at least to come out. Uh, after the match would you be totally disappointed if he came out and didn't cash it or are you mm-hmm. just okay with the tease
0: No especially if it's something like theory is trying to come out to cash it in and Drew McIntyre
2: oh, levels okay. levels it, him
0: with a boot and says no <laughs> I want you at the clash of the champion you know at least something that like makes sense you know sure. theory keeps his t- keeps the money in the bank doesn't lose it and then he can cash it in again down the line yeah, but
4: we got if, about we got about four five six weeks until uh clash of the castle and, and we have-
0: don't have a drew on the, on the card listed but we'd imagine they keep teasing him and sheamus that's probably something they do and they just have sure the winner of that get the match at clash of the castle we still don't have ezekiel or ko on this card we could and and then we mentioned all the women like oscar and alexa in particular they're not on the card so all it's possible.
4: intriguing hey every match is intriguing the outcome hinges on some potential big storylines we could get into that, that you know so that's why i can't wait to see the the opening odds here whether you believe in betting wrestling or not i i just i i want to see where where the experts thinks uh, they're going with this because uh you know again you can have a lot of titles you can have an interesting monday night raw and, and smack down the following week or we could have the same five walk out of there. I, I at least think one or two of them is changing hands.
0: Who knows uh what's going to happen with maximum male models. We uh <laughs> Maxine, is that right? Are we Max- seeing a so um v- Viking Raiders new day. They've been uh they've been feuding. That's probably like a pre-show type thing. Um and also uh Madcap Moss doesn't really have anything set up. We could see him involved in some way shape or form somewhere um one or two other things to mention uh the the vignettes we've been seeing everyone's saying their edge the uh the the, all the different cuts we don't have anything scheduled for the mysterios or the judgment day so possibly edge we don't have anything scheduled for aj either those are all people that don't seem to have anything yet for SummerSlam. we could see them uh yeah them possibly being inserted into different spots so that's uh that's on the WWE side. That's for Raw. That's for SmackDown. Let's head on over. And that's uh that's setting you up for SummerSlam. Let's talk a little NXT as we head on over, talk some Tuesday night. So, results from NXT Tuesday. We had JD McDonough come in and beat Cameron Grimes. Roderick Strong defeated Damon Kemp, and we got a lot of uh infighting in the diamond mine. The UK championship tag team match, Briggs and Jensen <laughs> we, uh They beat pretty deadly. Axiom debuted. And in the 20 women battle royal, Zoe Stark.
4: How could we not know?
0: <laughs> and how could this happen? My, oh, the one that I just, oh, I just, when she starts to talk, it's like it, I get just, Oh, like my sp- it's cringe down my spine oh no She's winning this title isn't she oh no Is oh it- no and it's like the the final four stratton lions stark and james and it's just okay a- a- like anywhere there we're in a fine I- i'm fine with
4: i'll tell you what stratton has every hill move down it,
0: pat she's so good <laughs> every, why you know, do i even <laughs> have to go into this battle royal are you serious <laughs> like i actually have to qualify for this okay you it, know, it's just
4: <laughs> she was so good in the battle royal too when she would eliminate like a, a a a good face with a lot of pop i mean the heat and that she gets it's just fantastic i i you know when zoe stark came in i said well there goes nikita and uh, I think did Tiffany eliminate Nikita? I can't remember if she did or not.
0: Yeah, so weird. Um, Nikita so looked
1: good
0: Outfit. Stratton. Yeah, Tiffany sent Lions over the top when, when she was distracted. Talk. So we'll probably have those two go at it for a bit, and then you know, Nikita can beat her and get to Mandy. Stark ends up sending Stratton over, and then uh, Cora comes back. You know, Cora was charging in, she was never really eliminated. So, Cora came in, but Zoe ends up getting the win. So, did eat. you think with
4: all Cora was going to win this battle role when she came back in?
0: Yeah. It felt like they, they were, were setting up to be sort of obvious, I thought. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, so I guess in that sense, they they gave you a little bit of a, a surprise. But I
4: thought maybe Roxanne would get involved at that point. But yeah, that I know but it that seemed.
0: Yeah, it did seem kind of weird. You're right. I mean, I, I was expecting her to be the one at some point. If Cora gets eliminated, it would have been by Roxanne, right?
4: Yeah, because we it wanted
0: sort of oil. Sort of made Cora look just kind of like very weak here, huh? Oh, very real weak. Because she after, cheats
4: after you know she threw the tile away. <laughs> I know.
0: I didn't like that. I agree. This didn't didn't make her look good. If she's someone that you're you know you're working on, um, and we didn't. Yeah, who, like, who, what did we have? We had uh, Ivy Nile, Amari Miller, Ariana Grace, Indy, Lash Legend, Tiffany Stratton, Wendy Chu, Zoe, Lisa Leone, Kiana James, Fallon Henley, that was Sloan Jacobs, Electra Lopez, Caden Carter, Katana Chance, Paxley, that was our... Yeah,
4: uh, he had some solid, but, I mean, yeah. you could have to the top three who was going to win it, and I thought yeah. they did a pretty good job with it. Yeah, um, it was
0: fine. It was fine. And here's it, the thing. Look, Zoe can, can work. The she, problem. As you say, been, as soon as she's, oh, she, when she's in the ring, I'm great with her. Oh, she's fantastic. But
4: the, on the flip side of it, I just keep hearing years ago, like in 2002 or three, when I interviewed triple H, you know, when he was a superstar, he just said, look, you, you could be the greatest of all time inside the old squared circle. When, when the mic's on, that's one of the most important parts. If you can talk the talk, we, you know. And I, I think that's one point where she slips. But I got a feeling she's winning this title.
0: I got you, a feeling. In, you you don't need to be able to cut 20-minute open raw no, promos. No, you no. just need to be able to connect with people and have a charisma. Like, it, 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 look, we know she was in a in kind of a weird spot with uh, uh, who was her tag partner. And, and you know what? Let's give her some benefit of the doubt because that was sure. a hard place to be. And she was sort of playing like in the, in the joke, joke where, yeah. yeah, I'm joking with someone who uh, the, the whole joke is that we don't understand each other. You know, she's trying we to play this cultures. like sure. rush hour, Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan yeah. gimmick, you yes. know, yes. um, which is not, it's just not always easy to do. So, and it didn't come off great. Like trying to act jokey and funny. She might be fine if she just acts normal. You know, just- well, and she's
4: one of those type of faces where, when she came from the indie scene, uh, she's known for being serious. You know, kick ass in her matches. So yes. she's not going to be one of those glorified babyface champions if that's the su- they decide to go with. But I, I just have a feeling they wouldn't have brought her back just to just to be uh somebody else. Mandy Rose beats. No, I, I no. think this year next champion easy.
0: JD what do you thought about what did you think about JD Cameron Grimes and and uh, JD's presentation?
4: Oh, uh, that's fantastic. Uh just I, I love the film. thing
0: where with the uh, with Braun when he was using the the like the the mannequin and yeah. showing the the parts of the shoulder that he was going to attack. It was like it was kind of like a like a Dexter sort of creepy yeah. Yeah. serial killery like but it was you know it was almost you know, like um you know, he was kind of he was kind of hitting me with was um American psycho Christian Bale oh yeah yeah you yeah. know good like call. well good looking well-dressed smart eloquent but just a psychopath good call you know Good call um, I uh, yeah, uh, yeah he good match I, too the guy can go and, and oh it was strong he, and I like the way
4: that they work the the knee injury gimmick on Grimes which yes. basically cost him the match that was just well done it was it, it was probably the best match on the show really strong i'm glad they started with that and th- this kid you know it, it I, I he's a he's a strong choice to uh dethrone Braun. as, as we talk about that match what did you think about Braun's in ring presentation with jd uh we talked about the shoulder do you think the the fans are getting behind Braun breaker again or we've kind of like simmered way down to the point where we can't get him bowling hot
0: I think we can get him back. Okay, again, um, with the right opponents now, and JD is is is. I think he, people are intrigued with this. I think this will be okay. I'm gonna give it a little bit of a. I'm gonna give it a week or two more and see how it rolls. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ready to give up on Braun yet. I'm never gonna be ready to give up on him in the way that with Roman. I think with at any point Braun is very easy to just tweak with a heel turn, like oh, the. M- and the, moment, the moment, the moment, l- yeah, the moment you let this guy just start to say "screw you" to the fans, it's going to be great. And I would like for him to do it as champion. Me
4: too. He, Me he, too. he now that would bring a, a a a different dynamic to his character. To be, you know, it's kind of like the Roman deal. If people are going to boo you and, and beat you uh, as you're beating everybody each and every week, or or, or what have you. Just make the natural progressions. Don't hold back what, you know, is it, is naturally
0: fits there, you know? It makes the character more interesting too if the guy becomes more willing to cheat a little bit to win, you know? Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. to be a weaselly heel, you know? for Like, example, Mandy Rose, as the NXT Women's Champion, you know, toxic attraction helps her a lot, but she she challenges people. She actually wrestles like she's not one that ducks a lot of challengers. You can be a a good heel that still cheats a little bit and gets away with some stuff. But I think Braun would be so much more intriguing and it would make people more interested in that title with some babyface challengers chasing him. Some people that maybe you wanted to see win it and beat him. I think it would make everything more interesting. And so I, I hope we get there soon too. I agree with you. One or two more wins for him. And then he gets to the point where he's just like, I'm sick of all of you. You know, it's like the Roman deal.
4: I mean, look, I just, just turn it. It would be a different dynamic with him. And I think the heat is already there. I think the fans are wanting him. And, and, and look, watch, watch what happens if they do go that route. Watch the fans just totally fall in love with him.
0: Yep. You they know? will. They will. I love when WWE. Does um and this is one thing That I would love AEW to do more When wwe does A building One episode of tv around A match they do it really really Well they used to do this in the monday night Raw like monday night wars era All the time with austin you have one Big match at the end of the night or something's gonna Happen before the end of the night or this There's a story you're telling there's Three different matches the winners of those matches Are all in the main event and that winner is the number one contender. And there's just a story to be told. And so throughout the night, they keep checking in with a lot of the women, promos, you know, setting up the battle royal. It just gave it a little bit bigger of a feel for it. And, and I, I, I yeah when when they do that, I, I'm I'm always a fan of of that. And the uh we got Roderick beating Damon Kemp. And then we saw that the uh the diamond mine gets attacked by Tony D. And the family. So it looks like we're going in uh, in that direction where Tony D and his boys are going to be challenging the, the diamond mine and, and going after the, the tag titles there.
4: Like it. I mean, it's about as strong as you get. Um I, I just hope we don't get to the point where Roderick causes the Creed brothers to lose the titles because as good as they are, I just kind of feel like here a little bit, they not been put on the back burner, but there's been some more interesting things on this two hour show. Look, it's very competitive. These storylines are, are are good. Um, these shows are not built around one particular person. Um, especially in NXT, you know, the turn here is, is I thought would have already happened. I just hope it's, if it, if he causes the Creed brothers to lose the titles, uh, I don't know what it does there, but man, it sure feels like that's what they were waiting for—is that tag team title match, and and Roderick causes them to lose
0: the titles. We got to look at Axiom making a debut. What do you think of Axiom? I, I'm fine with it. Look, yeah. ma- ma- look,
4: I, I think it's the A Kid or whatever they called him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I have no problems with it. Mass wrestlers always have their place in itty. Uh, organization. there It didn't blow me away. Um, you know, it was a good match. It was spotty, but uh, I have no problem with it. You know, none at all.
0: We checked in with a lot of uh, different people quickly um, on the show. Some things were good, others not. We saw Zach Gibson and Drake as the, the, the members of Schism for Joe Gacy. So they took off the hoods there and it looks like they're going to be heading into some direction with um with grimes sort of not sure if i love that but that's gonna be happening uh solo sokoa and Von wagner popped up so these guys are continuing on lots of little uh little moments that we checked in with those guys i feel bad for solo same thing we said last week it just doesn't feel quite as big of a deal as he was last week or you know we the the, you know not last week but maybe a month ago six weeks ago
4: And it's look. We know not every match that a particular person, especially at the NXT 2.0. Yeah, these are professionals that are on TV. I'm not saying this is a step down from anything, but not everything is going to fire on our all cylinders on on Tuesday nights uh, with NXT 2.0. But man, it's just it's, it's crazy to see someone get so hot so quick and has the look, and then I I don't know where they go with this and with Gacy and what the dyad, I think he called them at one. And they have new names now. I think all of us knew who it was going to be. I I just, the problem with that is we've already seen Gacy already in a title match.
0: I know. So what, what, what do you do here with these? Uh, and this has happened with him twice. Remember they did this with him right off the bat when they did it. Initially, and they put him right in a title match and we're like, what the hell? Why is Joe Gacy in a title match right now? And then they, they did it again with him. The names, what, Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed, um, which,
4: okay, you, you've got different identities. You've kind of joined this, you know, this cult. I, I have no problem with that. I just don't know where you go with them. Maybe they're next up for, uh, uh, Jansen and Briggs, you know, for, for the tag team titles. I, I don't know. We've got so many tag team champions now on NXT. I can't keep up, but you know what? I, I am kind of looking forward to there. There was one, uh, uh, Wesley and Grayson Waller, there was a mention there. But yep. I, I think Wesley has uh, is, is got something I, I think he's Something's special. cooking I, there
0: with him. Yeah, to let it's, him And it's slow. Yeah. It's like a slow build, which is the best way to do it. This so guy could be a really nice face. baby face to beat Carmelo, I think, yeah. for that North American title at some point. Those two guys could have a banger.
1: Wesley if anybody is-
4: can say, save a, – a, a, and I'm not saying save a career, but save a WWE career from – from a tag team and then one of your guys gets fired it is wwe they can yeah. do it and i think this guy has been put in a position to succeed i agree so I really- I,
0: yeah i like that we uh we checked in with carmelo and trek in the barber shop and then we checked in at chase U <laughs> with our uh Dude, our man. friends there some of uh yeah so we we got a some positives some negatives um and they did a lot but Sometimes when they do a lot, it feels a little bit different than when AEW tries to do a lot as we head on over to AEW. So major positive Brody King, Darby Allen opens the show. thought this was a really good match, right? thought (laughs) the problem is why didn't we get this match two or three weeks ago before Brody King had a match for the title? Zero cents. This was a great match. This is the best that he's looked so far. Darby made the guy look like a million bucks. I'm, I would rather Darby be elevated more, but that's, you know what? That's fine. If they picked that, they wanted Brody King to be the person that was going to challenge Moxley. Why didn't you have this match three weeks ago and made the guy look really strong and it would have made the title match against Moxley just a little bit better?
4: I wish I could say, Gino, um, (laughs) uh, something has uh, come over you. You, You've turned about on me, but no, I, I thought the same thing. It was definitely one of their better matches in a while. And but you do this after the guy loses, you know? Didn't he, he win the battle? They don't
0: call him Battle Royals. What did he win over there? He won it the was, battle royal to win the number one contender spot, and then he's in a match against Moxley. And, and, and you know what? This match I thought was ten times better than the Moxley match. Hundred percent agree. Dude, I think that's crapping on Moxley. I'm just saying. No, and what was, they're they're doing something weird with Moxley right now. Like he's yeah. on the show a lot for someone that's your world champion and they're putting him in the middle of these weird throwaway matches that don't mean anything for him. He doesn't why have he was, why any story. T-
4: Wheeler. And I, I know you've got a faction there and you've got William Regal, Regal. What are they? Blackpool combat club. Yeah. Uh, but Wheeler, Utah has got a ROH title and then you put him and Moxley together against the best friends. I'm sorry. You're, I don't care if he's interim or not. Moxley should not be working these type of matches.
0: It's just uh, this burnout. If you didn't know that John Moxley was the world champion, when you watched this match, you would have thought Wheeler Yudo was the world champion <laughs> by the way the match was booked. And well, it was Moxley. Wasn't really even in the match very much. No, he wasn't. And, he and was, look, was, you no, know, a
4: lot of this was built up for this
0: ring, ring of
4: honor pay-per-view, but I don't know how many people really, you know, the main event's going to be good, you know. And the Ring
0: of Honor pay-per-view will be a good show. But I heard somebody say this on, uh, I think, Wrestling Inc. the other night. How many people are going to buy that pay-per-view that are not watching AEW? Zero. uh, Zero. 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 It's not not one. It's not even like this is what you were doing with Impact or New Japan. At least those companies have a different fan base where you may be able to get some eyeballs from those fan bases onto your product. There isn't an existing ring of honor fan base because there's no TV. These guys don't pop up. There's no place to tell their stories except for on AEW. And then the problem is if you were going to really, really try to push the ring of honor pay-per-view, how come we didn't get anything about their world championship on this show from Claudio? (laughs) He's in the world title match. He's actually been someone that they've brought in to AEW and done a pretty good job with over the last few weeks. In in his first few weeks, he's felt like a big deal. He's going to be facing Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor world title. How come he didn't have a segment here with Jonathan Gresham to at least set that up? Because people at least know Claudio and kind of think that he's a main event guy, especially because there's some buzz about him. He still just came over from WWE. People have seen him in the last... Two years, as much as we want to all, and I agree, say that Cesaro was underutilized and underappreciated, he was in a feud with Roman Reigns for the title, had singles matches on pay-per-views, and he beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania just two years ago.
4: And, and do you reward the guy by giving him the Ring of Honor world title? Because I don't still know. Don't, we still don't have the yellow brick road path. Which Ring of Honor is it going to happen in? As of
0: right now, I don't think there is one. There, so you, they're just they keep trying to do too many things. It's like on a on a on a major sense and on a smaller sense because now you're trying to build to a Ring of Honor pay per view and you're giving you know some TV time to a few of those things, but maybe not enough TV time to all of it. If you really wanted to sell the show, and that that's a a, a little bit of a bummer. We um, we then got Miro kind of quickly coming out. They are having some stuff with Miro and Sting, Malachi Black. So they're all yeah. That there's sort of like a weird combination there, right? Yeah. And I, I did.
4: <laughs> didn't they get the Black Mist? I think you got so Sting got the Black
0: Mist. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate because yeah. sometimes they're just too much, too much, and we're wondering. Um, we would kind of we'd like to see it play out if then, then we could kind of tell the story a little bit better. How about uh two dimes? Cole Carter. <laughs> that didn't take long. <laughs> he's, he was swimming with the fishes, and now he's over in AEW. And uh, you think this is so, the one-off? I think he's all elite. No, I just I saw that he's gonna be on now. He's they've signed him. Oh okay. He was actually to be to be fair, to be fair. He was actually on AEW before he went over to NXT years. Like before he even went to NXT and then showed up on TV, he had wrestled a match in AEW. Um, So now I guess he's back to AEW. They had liked the guy before. And I will, I will say there've been a lot of people we can go through and say that they're not doing great with, but the the guys, those Jericho appreciation societies 2.0, those guys have done pretty well, you know, the Jericho Appreciation Society, right. and they they didn't get to do much at all. They were Ever Rise, I think, when they were in NXT, and they brought and them we, over.
4: We loved them. They started cutting those promos. We really enjoyed those.
0: They were good. Yeah, it looked like they were they were gonna maybe get a chance, but um, so Moxley and Wheeler Yuta get the win over the best friends there, and m- uh, most of these matches that w- I don't usually have a problem with a lot of the ring work. I say usually because some of the stuff is sloppy and not it's not all perfect, but. In, in this, it just seems sort of weird. You have Moxley, your world champ, in a tag match in the middle of the show, in a match where he's not even going to be featured. If you want to feature Will or Yuta, that's fine. Just don't put Moxley in that, in that spot. And you can sort of see right now: no Punk, no Brian Danielson, no Adam Cole, no Young Bucks. They're hurt. So all of these people that are hurt, all of no MJF. Right. Who knows what's going on with him? All of them banged up. And then you wonder, like, why why aren't we getting more of Adam Page? Hangman Adam Page on these shows when all these guys are hurt. He's doing stuff and with the Dark Order again now.
4: And I and, yeah, and I think he's he's on Rampage. I looked at the card. He's on Rampage. And it, 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 I just don't think um you, you're going to get that many people to tune over on Friday nights because hangman page was not used on Friday or on Wednesday night. Excuse me.
0: You know? Yeah. I, now this next segment, Now I will say, I don't know Kevin Gates very much. That's not me. My I'm, that's not really my genre. I'm not. So I, but Kevin Gates has a million followers on Twitter. He's a, he's a big deal. I just, I don't ever mind bringing celebrities in that are going to get you a little bit of a crossover. We've actually talked about how AEW could do things like this a little bit more. WWE does a good job with this kind of thing. The problem is the segment and the material was just awful. I don't have it, a problem. It, 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 we also had another rapper that after debris the show, debris. So we, <laughs> we never have any of these things and now we're in Atlanta and we have a bunch of stuff that, didn't it just it didn't feel natural like it didn't it didn't flow i it i don't know like keith lee and swerve were kind of (laughs) joking then keith lee was stripping you know they were joking about that um but it didn't i don't it just didn't feel like it was a great segment honestly um I, i i do i will give them i will give them credit for the attempt this isn't like trying a barbed wire match. You can try things like this and they don't work. And at least you get some, some eyeballs on your, on your show, but on a show that seems like every 30 seconds is such a big deal to them. They jam so much into it. This segment felt like it was just cruising out there, you know, and <laughs> like they were just out, just cruising. No worry for time. No worry for anything. And, and then the problem is you bring out Tony niece and smart Mark, you need someone to let the guy punch, but those guys don't feel like a big deal. And so it sort of makes Keith Lee and Swerve not feel like a big deal now. And now, so like compare them, they're the tag team champions, compare them to the response that FTR gets when they come in, out and cut oh. their promo a little bit. Does it that feel one. like, I mean, it doesn't even feel like the same thing. Uh, and, and we can talk about FTR because so now, like now what are they doing? Because, This team should be your tag team champions. They're over. Man, Dax Harwood cut an incredible promo talking about his daughter. Crowd loves these guys. These guys have just figured it out. Major credit to AEW because it seemed like they were getting a little bit frustrated with where their positioning was. And they've made FTR one of the biggest parts of the show. And they've stepped up and they've done a great job. But now they're going to go in, in the Ring of Honor world title. I'm sure they'll probably win. And then what do you do? Don't, don't you want to have them versus the Young Bucks for All Out as your as your title? So you're going to have to get the titles back onto one of them or the Young Bucks. I, I feel weird when they do these things where why don't you want FTR to be your tag team champions of your company when they're the most over tag team?
4: I don't get it either. I wish I wish we had some some kind of an answer um, because definitely keep a swerve in our glory. Is, is that their their tag team name? I, do mm-hmm. they feel yeah. like champions? No, no. Just don't. They had a
0: great match last week, but they don't feel yeah. like now. Now what with them? And, and they were the two hot
4: names, you know, I, especially Keith Lee. I know swerve, you know, came over from NXT, but, you know. You know, there was Keith Lee in NXT, got moved up to the main roster. Then all kind of problems happened. So Keith Lee was supposed to be the guy, and then they kind of crapped on him for for a month or so. And then he hooks up with Swerve. Then they tease breaking up and turning on each other. And next thing you know, they win the titles. But it, it's, I mean, it's a notch or two below FTR. That's that's zero comparison. And I'm not talking about the in ring experience. I'm talking about the
0: uh, the level of response, it's the booking, it's- the storytelling, how they're yeah. presented—it's not about talent. All of, all almost every one of these guys and gals are so talented that it, they just—if they were presented in the right way with the right type of story—they'd be fine. Sure. It, especially on the men's side. On the women's side, it, I don't think their roster is quite as strong, but from a, from a depth and talent standpoint, but but definitely like Keith Lee was a guy who we thought was going to be. A, a major player. He was standing toe-to-toe. He beat Randy Orton in like five minutes clean in a match. He's standing toe-to-toe in matches with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns in the Rumble and he he has a good match, but this and I'm saying this a week after he, he just won, it just felt a little felt a little bit off. And we have Christian Cage and Luchasaurus versus the Varsity Blondes. Cage and Luchasaurus get the win and then after the match Here comes Jungle Boy. He's already back and Jungle Boy. (laughs) And then Luchasaurus is already turning back again on his side. This was quick. It was weak. It it
4: was just weak. Maybe they thought he was going to be out longer than what he was. I don't know. It was one of the, it wasn't the weakest points on the show. We'll get to that in just a second, but it it was weak. I, I did. What didn't Christian jump on Luchasaurus's like shoulders, like Jungle Boy does. I thought yeah. that was, pretty, I thought that was good. And then here comes Jungle Boy. Oh, he's back already.
0: And Jungle Boy looked good, and he was chasing Chris after Christian. But it, it. I don't even mind Jungle Boy being back, but just Jungle Boy should then, then he should get beaten down by Luchasaurus. Yes. Luchasaurus shouldn't be turning immediately back against Christian. That should take a while. That should be one of the final things that happen. Right before the big match or during the big match, Luchasaurus says, he looks in the eyes of his buddy and remembers Jungle Boy and he says, screw you, Christian. Like that's, this was all just really rushed for a story that I really, Christian, I thought got a ton of heat over the last month. And I don't know if it feels like a lot of that has gone now because this is-
4: yeah. You know, we've been talking about how, you know,
0: provocative,
4: but, uh, you know, his promos have been, you know, some were not as tasteful as others, but that's kind of been over the last three weeks of AEW, the high points of the show. And maybe they were feeling some heat because that ended and we're already back to this, this, this was hanky. This was a hanky turn to me for Luchasaurus. I would have had him and Jungle Boy, you know, go at it before Jungle Boy and Christian, the payoff there. Cause I thought this was this was about, but now the dinosaur has, has turned face. I, I it was it was hokey to me. It was hokey, real hokey.
0: So, man, uh, just real quick, Ricky Starks. I think the guy is a star, man. I I hey, would, I've
4: been this uh, from day one. What a, I, I you would didn't. buy
0: so much stock in him? The guy can talk. He can Dude, do babyface he promos. He'll he just it. he can cut. He's on. He's good on commentary. I think WWE could do great with him if AEW didn't. Any I think anywhere he's good. I would love to see more of him. We got a promo from Athena and Willow and Statlander, and this was just awful. The promo.
4: It was as bad as as the match.
0: The promo was terrible. They had a match, Athena and Willow versus Jade and Kira. The match, it just, what happens in a lot of these matches, it's not as if they're, like, Jade is impressive, and and there's a couple things in each match that are like, wow, that was really impressive. There's no flow at all to it. It's just... Zero, it's not a match. Not, not at all. Not no. at all.
4: No, I, I wish I could say something positive about it. Athena's debut from start. We we've again we've talked about some having the eight. We may have an WWE to AEW curse here <laughs> because it just she hasn't felt really anything other than that first appearance pop coming into the arena and saying, hey, I'm here, it's she's
0: just no, there. She, she, just she did there. not feel better. important at all, unfortunately. No, no. Not the at match all. Was,
4: the match was really, really bad. Um, you could tell who can work and who can't, and it makes the ones who can work r- look worse than the ones who can work or can't work. You understand what I'm saying? So if, yes. if I'm somebody who gets in and considered top of the game and I'm working at somebody who's really green and things don't go right, uh, it makes the veteran look bad. And Athena did not look good in the, in the spot. And I, I, I just think that they're again, you know, your champion Thunder Rosa is cutting promos and she's, Hey, we've got a title match with
0: me. Yamashita who nobody knows. Nobody knows.
4: I don't. And you know what? It may be a fantastic match. I'm sure it will be. That's not the point. That's not the point. Why not
0: build up some of your other talent on your roster that you have a lot of? And we're talking about how squeezed they are for TV time all and and things are like. So last week, you have the guys swerve in in your glory, win the title. And then there's no celebration for them after. And then this week, they have a celebration. But you didn't give us the moment to let them, like, to, like, share it with them last week. And then this week, it kind of feels a little bit fake and forced, you know, the celebration. And they're bringing in rapper who – awesome. Like, they're getting – but we don't know that they have any ties to each other. Or we don't know – like, they, they they there aren't stories that are being told very well, which is a bummer. And now – like, why is Tony Storm just Thunder Rosa's friend and cool with sitting next to her and not wanting to go after the title? I, that doesn't really make sense to me. Britt Baker and Jamie cut in for a minute. And that's it. It's th- this was. I thought this was a really weak show, and the end of the show, unfortunately, was you have a match that just it's trying to do so much. You have a barbed wire everywhere match with a <laughs> So you it can't just be a barbed wire match. It's barbed wire everywhere. Everywhere. I'll say this. I'll say this, Gino. Hold on. I'll say this. It was entertaining. It was very entertaining all the way up until the women (laughs) run down. Yes. And it was a disaster. At the, the the part up until that was very entertaining. Jericho coming out the pain maker and all the look Kings. It's, it was good. These two guys have had a good feud. These two guys have been going at it since like November. Jericho and in, in Kingston, and the the microphone was covered in barbed wire. He uses it, and smashes it into Jericho's head. Now, TyCon. Okay,
1: so it can't just be
0: here. We go. It can't just be a barbed wire match, which is like a a crazy match to end a feud. It's a barbed wire match with the Jericho Appreciation Society locked in a shark cage. So we can't just have a shark cage match which also would have been fine a shark cage or barbed wire. No, we have a shark caged and barbed wire because of the shark week stuff. Again, I have no problem with the crossover promotion stuff. I think it's funny. I think the sharks being out there. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with a lot of it on WWE. So I'm not going to have a problem with it on AEW if it's done right. Right. The, the problem is <laughs> what, why is Ty and Ruby first? Why is Ruby out there again? You know, it's like, Ruby is now become a part of this feud, which was so shoehorned. Yeah. Yeah. It it just out of nowhere, like Ruby riot and Kingston. Wait a minute. No, do you don't remember that?
4: That little video promo of her saying that Eddie Kingston was the, one of the toughest guys she knows.
0: Yeah. Like a two second vignette. (laughs) And now all of a sudden they're best friends when this could have been something they could have been telling us for a while. They don't. So Ty Conti comes out. Anna J also comes out. Then Anna J has a heel turn. She takes the device that lowers the shark cage. Then Ty runs over to try to unlock the shark cage, but she can't get the key in. She might've gotten the wrong key. She can't open it. So the guys in the shark cage are realizing that they're about to blow their spot. And remember, they don't have a lot of time Like they have a hard out at the end of the top of the hour. They don't have a lot of time to try different things here and there. And so this dude looks around and realizes, Oh shit, I better go. And he just slides (laughs) through the cage and then runs out so he can do his spot. It doesn't even matter because those guys aren't even involved in the finishing spot. They didn't even need to get out of the shark cage. So the whole thing that we saw about Ty come and doing, cause Sammy Guevara is the guy who ends up being in the finishing spot. So you could have just let these dudes stay suspended in the shark cage the whole time. Everything that happened with Ty and with the, with the Anna J and all that stuff was completely meaningless because it's Sammy Guevara who comes out to help Jericho at the end. But what ends up happening is, they bought they're like worried about a lot of the barbed wire around, which of course they are. Who the hell wouldn't be? Who the hell's not going to be worried about falling in barbed wire? So Sammy kind of awkwardly looks like he's hitting Jericho at one point. And then yeah. the finish is Jericho with the Judas effect, the back fist with, with this wrapped in barbed wire it was, it was an okay spot. The problem is immediately after the finish, You've got Eddie Kingston throwing Jericho into like a big platter of barbed wire. And then it's like, oh my gosh, Jericho's stuck in the barbed wire, but we got to get out of here and then we'll be back next week. It's, we don't even get to see Jericho struggling in the barbed wire. Every single thing there was like a bunch of stuff that you wrote down on paper that you thought might have looked cool. Nobody practiced it out. Nobody blocked it. Nobody plotted it out. They don't practice the big spots. This was awful. It was a train wreck of, a, of the last five minutes. And we gave the beginning of it credit. It was entertaining until the moment that the the girls ran out and it started becoming too much. It was terrible. Terrible at the end.
4: I just don't know why you have to have so many damn people involved in every match and every storyline. I know you're trying to push and, and, and to, to make everybody happy, you know. Was Wardlow on there last night, or Wednesday night? I I don't recall, you know, because there's so much stuff. But, and I'm with you, I'm okay with the gimmick. Hey, it's Shark Week coming up, Um, I I understand that. But I, I would at least turn the cameras somewhere else to not see all of them just go whoop, whoop through the jail, or through the bars. You know, the, the still cage there, the shark you, cage.
0: You got to call an audible. Somebody throw some freaking hairspray over at the guy and have him spray it on himself and act like he slips through the bar. Something. I don't, right? You got to be. be and, and you know what? I will say. Shout out to Garcia for at least being like, I got to get out of this thing and hit my spot. Because. Yes. She's not going to get me out of here and I got to find a way through. So he tried to get through, but. Like you said, it's just they're they're shooting it like people who haven't shot wrestling a million times, unfortunately. And that's what we see is that they catch the crash pads on the big spots. Every time there's a really, really big spot, they try to do it way too crazy. And when AEW, if AEW just has like a really good wrestling match or a really good tag team match to end their show, it would be so much better than when they try to do this stuff. It was, it's, it was Easton laughable. Cops
4: in these positions and and it's been these gimmick matches time after time again where they just don't execute. And you and I said one of the things that that we have picked and prodded about AEW has been the execution of their the, their weekly two hour show and that's live every Wednesday night. And it's just, it hasn't been good. And you know what? You could bring in William Regal, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone. You can have all of these guys with all with, with all this experience. Every television show, they, they booked WrestleManias. It starts at the top. And there's going to come a point in time here pretty soon where Khan's going to have to look into the mirror. I don't care if you have more money than WWE combined. You're being looked at as kind of, it, it's very, very, to me, very WCW-ish now. It, it just, you have that feel. The arenas look that way. No offense, Jim Ross. I'm not a Tony Schiavone fan. Look, I, I couldn't do it, but I just, it. I, I'm getting those gimmicky WCW, you know, type vibes, and, and I shouldn't be, Getting that way, I mean, half the roster that we saw last week wasn't even mentioned last night.
0: No, Wednesday I, night. Okay, so right now, there is definitely, they've definitely got major injuries that they're dealing with. They've definitely got a lot of people missing. But where's Hangman Page? Why is there not different? Yeah, why
4: is he on which, Friday nights on a tape show?
0: Why, why is why? there not um, more from Brit and the women I don't understand. I just don't quite get the, again, it just feels we, like trying to do we, too much. Trying to do we, too we much. We can't even get Miro unleashed again.
4: I would no. have set up something where Miro and Wardlow are, are going at it somehow, some way. Wouldn't you rather have seen that?
0: Absolutely. You know? Where was Wardlow? And that's what I ask. I don't know. He's been on every week for the past year. Why? Is I, I, I'm just telling you, man. Say what you right want. now, where was Wardlow? When you need, you, you, you have no big stars right now. It's not your fault that Punk got hurt, Omega got hurt, Cole got hurt, the Bucks are banged up, Brian Daniels and I know, is hurt.
4: It, yeah, look, and we know Omega's coming back here pretty soon. because it's Yeah, been it, le-
0: that's the rumor, but, right? Rumors are that but, he's but, doing good I'm now. Not,
4: let, me t- let me tell you something, man. Number one, it takes just one other move and he's hurt again. But I'm going to go back to this. Hate me. I don't care things started feeling
0: walking. It wasn't with F- perfect w- with him. It's a grass wasn't as green as people may have remembered. He didn't even, no. they never really let him be the the baby face or the the kind of tweener Kenny who just wanted to be a wrestler. He was a D-bag heel, which in the stuff with Callus was kind of getting old. It was funny and, and stuff here and there, but it did start getting old and it felt like a lot of what we were getting with Roman on SmackDown, but Kenny wasn't coming off as much of a badass. It was sort of a little weasley. I would like to see a different version of Kenny. And they everybody right now, this was a bad week in that it just wasn't a very exciting week all around, you know? And you know, you look at SummerSlam and it's 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 fine on paper, but it doesn't feel maybe as great as it could feel. And the same thing with AEW, and hopefully next week when we reconvene and we're uh, we're previewing SummerSlam, we feel a, a little bit better moving into SummerSlam. We always come out of the big shows feeling better than going in, but I'd love to be a little more excited going into some of these big shows.
4: Yeah, and it, it just uh, it, it sounds like we're a broken record with some of these things, especially on, with, with AEW. And what I was getting at was I I, I think some things started to change. When Cody was weirdly booked, and when he left, I, I'm not saying he was the king of the castle or ran things, but man, it just seems like when AEW can get some sort of any type of momentum, and I thought that Wardload MJF was just fantastic. And maybe, hey, maybe this, maybe this isn't a work with MJF. Maybe he said, you know what, I, I got to get away, man. There, there was rumors that he was not happy with the booking. I, you know, I've heard some things from a very, very good source that people on that roster uh, are not happy.
0: How could and, you be happy right now if you were Hangman Page? Oh, shit. right now if you were Hangman Page and you looked around and said, "Okay, I was I champ a champ for a little paid. bit," I don't care they what don't, you're paid. they don't have a bunch of the stars. Why am I not on TV more? And at least like Hangman Page should should be him and like what what they're doing at least with Moxley or with what they did as like sliding him in as the interim champ. Page should be one of the main guys on your TV show every week right now. We still haven't heard from him really a lot after he lost the title. What happened? How he's feeling? What's moving forward? He said one time, oh, yeah, they're not going to let me challenge for the title. And then the next week, he got to challenge for the IWGP
4: title. It's a, yeah. I don't, I don't we have a Mid-Atlantic championship somewhere out there. The podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a lot. A lot going on. Sometimes trying to do a little too much. We're always going to try to do everything for you here on oh, yeah. this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, Loop, my man. Thank you so much, buddy. You have a fantastic weekend, and uh, next week we'll be uh, we'll be talking some SummerSlam. It ought to be
4: a it ought to be a fun week. Uh, we got Ring of Honor pay per view. Yeah, Raw, go home. Raw, go home. Uh, SmackDown for the big SummerSlam. So exciting time next week. Got a lot to cover.
0: Make sure to give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, you have a nice one, and we'll talk soon. We'll see you, Gino. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode. Big thanks to Coop for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Thank you so much to Samantha for helping us talk some Monmouth Saturday. Eric, who's with us each and every week, helping us with the football previews. Thanks so much to everyone. A lot of you out there have got nice, kind messages, nice, kind words. If you didn't see the social media post, we got sick this week. Myself, Stephanie, my girlfriend. I always call her my wife. She's Basically, my wife, uh, my son, Milo, my mom, my dad, my sister all got COVID. We, none of us had had it, had it, and we all got it, and we've all been hit pretty hard. We've been sick for about a week, and so you probably hear it still a little bit in my voice. I uh, hadn't had quite as much stuff out over the last few days, but feeling a little bit better and hope by next week we could be back operating at full capacity Whatever that means. So uh, best of luck all weekend long. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And uh, we'll be back in just a few days with plenty more. That's what G said.
1: So you want your daily those are and-